Have you ever seen the vagina monologues? Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, August 29th, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation media assassination episode 230. This is No Agenda. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I am the member of the Citizen Corps known as Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where our weather's back to normal, which means it sucks. I'm John C. Dvorak. Yeah, it's actually cold this weekend here in uh, in Southern California as well. Mm. Not, re- I mean, cold is relative, of course. Well, cold not in the East Coast sense. No, 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 not at all. Co- cold in the West Coast sense. Yeah, the, uh, people here are like, wow, we haven't had a summer. I'm, you know, I'm like, this is just fine for me. It's just fine. I'm okay. You'll have a summer in, in October for sure. Yeah, this it's uh, yesterday and today. It's actually yesterday was beautiful, and Mickey was like, hey, let's go on a hike. Let's go on a, a nature walk. And I'm like, why? I don't feel like it. And then so there's this, these hills behind us. And then she takes me through this path. I said, have you ever been here before? She says, no. And we wind up down at the reservoir. Uh, and no one else is there. I think, uh, <laughs> I think we were trespassing. <laughs> and, and then we had to climb back up the hill. There's no gates, no, no, uh, uh, no stairs, no nothing. Just, just the hill falling apart under our feet. Hmm. And it was, and that was very warm, very very warm. But it's cool to to walk around these hills. It is, yeah, it is. It's okay, all, yeah. because there's no. Well, you're one up here. in the hill, right? You're yeah. up on a in the side of a hill. It right, but it's right by the water reservoir. And went down. There's this like station. Can you see the water reservoir from where you are? I could. I went down to the water's edge. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I could. Did you, did you poop? I could have thrown anything in there, anything I want. I could have poisoned all of Los Angeles easily, and they got like all yeah. kinds of cameras. I think, I think they've done enough calculations on that. Well, they've got, but they got all these uh, cameras hanging everywhere. You know, it's not like anyone came to to arrest us or anything. Anyway, doesn't matter. Well, they were going to hope. Maybe they were hoping that you'd start doing something cool. Yeah, they were recording. Pedo Bear was watching. <laughs> hey, do something cool. Come on, guys. Do something cool. Come on. Come on. Oh, well, John. Uh... Well, we got a couple of executive producers. We might as well get them away at the top of the show. Okay. We've got uh, one executive producer and three associates. And let's begin by, uh, and one, and actually two of them have become, will become knights today. Nice. Sean Connolly from Naperville, Illinois. Uh, he'll become a knight. Troy Walters, uh, who is already Sir, Sir Troy. Uh, and anyway, Sean gave us three thirty, three thirty-three, and then Troy gave us. Uh, is Troy also an exec? He's an associate exec. Associate exec. Okay. And he's from Turak, Victoria, Australia. Mm-hmm. We have two Australian uh, associate producers today. Uh, so, so Sir Troy gave us two fifty, two hundred fifty dollars. Uh, George Tangen. I think it's pronounced Tangen or Tangen. No, Tangen. Yeah, because it's pronounced like the like the breakfast drink. He says so. It'd be Tangen. George Tangen. Mm-hmm. George is Tangen in there. Do you think they really drank that stuff in uh, when they went to the moon? Yeah. Oh, okay. What's in that powder? <laughs> What's in that powder? <laughs> it can't be good. I don't know. Uh, Inner Grove Heights. It was a popular drink for. Uh, I used to. Drink I used it. to drink it all the time. As a kid, yeah, yeah you'd mix it up. It had It distinctively tastes like tang. Yeah, and and uh, and your mom would say, "Listen, astronauts drink it. It's good for you." I have no idea if there were any redeeming qualities in tang at all. It's possible. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Mm-hmm. 
It didn't kill you. Inner Grove Heights, Minnesota, $250. Uh, Matthew Carey, to soon be Sir Matthew Carey, from Eastwood, South Australia, $200. Uh, Adam and John, you inspired me when writing songs for my new musical, It's a Dad's Thing. <laughs> One character bemoans the fact that... <laughs> is this about kids on a leash? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Since, since his and his wife had young children, they haven't had the time or energy to fool around at night like they used to. Their solution, they now regularly do it in the morning. Hey, do I hear the train tooting a lot there? Yeah, there was a, there's a bunch of work going on down in the track, so they're just honking like crazy. It's driving me nuts. Are you funded by Hill and Knowlton secretly somehow? Because all these subliminal train horns that come through all the time. <laughs> it's you starting it. to make I me wonder. Be. Yeah, you should. Yes, you know, there's so many people who should be sending us money. More Hill and Knowlton, yeah, they should be. You're right. It's a yeah, good point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Although I, I'm always moaning about how this thing, they don't, good thing goes at 20 miles an hour. So it's ludicrous. Uh, anyway, they're going to do it in the morning. We premiered the show on Friday night, and the song was a big hit with the audience. Oh, send us a Thank- copy, man. Send me a copy of the song. I want to hear it. Uh, does he have? Well, he you know, you said, yeah, send us a Matthew, Sir Matthew, send us uh, some stuff. He's uh, he's not officially Sir yet, but he will be. In a, he will be later, uh, and he's a playwright, uh, it, it seems, and producer. And songwriter. Cool. So. Cool. Kenny Dance. And uh, was that it? Is that, is that our... That's our, uh, that's our, our exec lineup? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Sean, Troy, George, Matthew. A couple of uh, PR mentions. I don't know if you saw this email, John. Instead of forwarding you the email and then us both forgetting about it, I, I thought I'd just bring it up here. A uh, note from Chris. <laughs> it happens, right? A note oh, from yeah. Chris. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's like I forward an email. I never hear it. Well, whatever. It's lost. Well, I send it to you. Well, I send it back. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the ether. We, to read it. I didn't we read need it. a I meeting, goddammit. That's what we don't need. So Chris was inspired by the No Agenda fans um, coin challenge, and he uh, was wondering about making a pair of dice, uh, in the morning dice. Huh. And he would want he want he would want to do it in a similar fashion. He said it can be it can be a cheaper product. Uh, now, now what he does say is that you know I want to have a, a picture of uh, of you and I on the six on each of the die. I don't know if I like that. I, I don't like. I don't think we should use our faces for that. The show is so much bigger than us. So maybe it should just be an in the morning or something. There's something kind of cute about having the two heads crop up, though. Yeah, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's, okay, but next it's bobble dolls, and then it's... No, you know. no, we're not doing bobblehead dolls. <laughs> okay. Or All capes. Right. We're not doing capes. <laughs> With a built-in bat signal. <laughs> and then uh, Enzo finally got his crap together uh, and set up gotnoagenda.com. Here's the deal. Uh, go to gotnoagenda.com. You can get an email account, which would be your name at gotnoagenda.com. Two gigs of storage for two years for $33.33. That works out to $1.39 a month. The other option is to get a forwarding from gotnoagenda.com. Two years for $22.22, which is $0.93 cents a month and uh, uh, 66.6% of all revenue will uh, go to the show. I think that's kind of cool. It sounds reasonable. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, that's a nice initiative. So we want to thank our executive producers uh, for today's episode. Um, actually, executive producer Sean Connolly. Uh, it's highly appreciated. Associate executive producer Sir Troy Walters. Uh, George Tangen. And the soon-to-be Sir Matthew Carey. 
Uh, we really appreciate you guys um, supporting the show. This, of course, is an official credit. You can, uh, If you have an IMDb listing, you can add it right there. I think you can actually call SAG and tell them to, uh, to add it to your uh, list or AFTRA for that reason. Um, or any other guild, because it's a real credit. You actually are an executive producer. You did no less than anyone who's an executive producer on a movie. You, uh, you actually help fund the show, and we highly appreciate it. Everybody else out there, you know that we have one thing I want you all to go out and do is propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You didn't comment on the rings. What'd you think of uh, Sir Paul Couture, Lord of the Rings uh, rings? I didn't get that email. Oh, or I dude, didn't I, I, I forwarded it to you because I knew you hadn't seen it because you didn't respond. So I forwarded it to you. Oh, we'll have to look at he's, it. He's got him, man. He's got the design, everything. Okay, he's got well, the pricing. Then, then we'll, we'll just go with it. And uh, well, I want you to just check you just to, to make sure of it. Yes, you're no, in I'm charge of the rings. It. You're high on it. He Paul's got good taste. I want you to just check it, just to, just to make oh, sure, just to make sure. Oh, there it is. Oh, gee, I found it all of a hey, sudden. Hey, I have to get a lot of emails. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> so do I, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, they're made of uh, reared and steel, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, uh, but I think they look. Now, real- all you have to do is all you have to do is just hit a tuning fork, and the reared and steel turns into powder. Thing <laughs> to tang. Uh, I, I like them. I think I think they're good looking, and they come in uh, like f- we can do five different sizes. I mean, he's got it backwards. I mean, he's got it right. He's got it's a signet ring. Yeah, exactly. It's got everything. Well, in, I know, but he's got two your... designs. I mean, do you want the to one on the top or the one? Oh no, I don't know. We'll have to have a meeting later. We don't want a meeting. <sighs> I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. I didn't know I there were two. I think the designs. top one is the way to go because it uses the word knight, and the other one just looks like you're. It looks like some. You look like well, a no, dyslexic hold, no. who just graduated <laughs> from MIT. Well, the only thing is, he says he he wants to do a run of uh, of rings separately that aren't knight rings. I don't think that's a good idea. I think a ring is only if you're a knight. There should be no regular rings. Or do you think we should have regular rings? I am going to think about it. I do like the number three in the logo there. That's kind of cool. You see that? It's got Latin for hit people in the mouth. It's got ITM. It's got knight. It's got the little helm helmet thing there. It's got the number three. I mean, it's complete. You, you, you hit someone in the mouth with that, it's leaving a lasting impression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really nice. Anyway. All right. Hmm. It would be great because everyone's waiting for him and lots of... All know. right. Well, let's just... Uh... All right. It's good. It's approved. Let's go. Yeah. That's how we do meetings here. We don't that's bo- our meeting. That's we our meeting. meeting we we, we're, we're, what is it called? We're transparent. We, yes. <laughs> this is what the Obama administration... Yeah, this is exactly do. what they do. In fact, this was just on C-SPAN. So we got some letter from some guy. Uh, I'm going to have to go find it now. Maybe I, I have it. Who was it from? What was it about? I think I sent it forward it to you. It's uh, the guy said he's a German guy. It's one. It was our one of our uh, producers from last week. We said he's in Frankfurt for when he's actually in Austria. Oops, you didn't see that one. No, no, that's because PayPal said he was in Frankfurt. He never mentioned that he was in Austria. Right, but he says that his douchebag friend Berger 
who needs to be called <laughs> out. Douchebag. Douchebag. Yeah. Says that we're, he says, as far as, he says he always gripes at him for listening to the show, and he claims, Berger does, that we're two, we're, we're a right wing tag team. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. How does that work? <laughs> right wing tag team. It's because people hear what they want to hear. You know, if you if you if you bitch about Rachel Madcow, then all of a sudden you're a Fox News shill. I get a lot. I get those all the time. You guys are just shills for Fox News, man. I, say, I wish. I wish we, we we slam Fox News as much as we slam. Uh, yeah. In fact, I've got a clip today. Oh, let's play it now. Then let's slam Fox News just to prove a point, which okay, by the well, way is run by the Democrats. Yes, that's the other thing we say. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't sound like right wing uh, really. tag team to me, but anyway, I found it offensive, very offensive. Okay, what you but got? It, but but let, here, here's a this is Laura Laura Ingram mm-hmm. took over for O'Reilly on a couple of shows this week. I don't like her. You don't like her? No, I don't like her. Yeah, I find her to be well. She's kind of whiny, and she's a to me. And I know this would be offensive if she ever heard this. She's an Ann Coulter wannabe. <laughs> Girl pair, Laura. Because <laughs> we know Ann Coulter is, is a transsexual. Well, that's whatever. That's what you think. That's I don't what, think that's so. what I hope. She can be kind of <laughs> hot as a tranny. That's what's got me there with the with the. Just about take a sip. There goes the mic. Yeah, almost a spit take. Almost. As, as a tranny, I think Ann Coulter is pretty hot. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Uh, so Ingram has been used by the left-wing shows on MSNBC because there was a clip of her from 2009 that has her talking to some woman who is a, one of the heads of this mosque, which is now, by the way, by some right-wingers, is being called the Victory Mosque. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is such a distraction from anything that I know, real is totally going a distraction. on. I, 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 that's why I wanted to know. That's why we haven't been talking about it. Yeah. But in this case, I, I think it needs mentioning, and now I can kind of, you know, kind of a, put a little uh, um, deconstruction on Laura Ingram. But anyway, Ingram comes on in 2009, late last year, and uh, starts to tell, well, what a great idea, you know, to have this mosque. It's fantastic. And there's a clip after clip of her going on and on, fawning over this mosque. So now she comes on the show to talk about the mosque and <laughs> and she brings on she does a clip of bloomberg and bloomberg mentions her oh. as being all for the mosque circle meanwhile, jerk she, sorry circle jerk well she no here's what's weird about it she never once addresses it <laughs> even though he mentions her in the clip he mentions her and, and everybody knows that well she's got to say something because she is the one that's been all for the mosque until now mm-hmm. and so you just listen to this and it's just it just goes on and on and she just completely avoids the topic it's like what I'm Laura Ingram in tonight for Bill O'Reilly. Thanks for watching us. No time for talking points memo tonight, so let's get right to our top story. The left opens up a new line of attack against those opposed to the proposed mosque near Ground Zero. New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg led the charge, demonizing mosque opponents by questioning their motives. Take a look. 
New York Times wrote about this mosque uh, a year ago. Mm -hmm. Laura Ingram did a show about it or mentioned on one of her shows and said she was in favor of it. Mm -hmm. This mosque has been operating for over a year. There's nothing new here. The difference is we're in election season. And this whole issue, I think, will go away way right after the next election. This is plain and simple. People trying to stir up things to get publicity and trying to polarize people so that they can get some votes. And I don't think that most of these people who are yelling and screaming really care one way or another. The family members, they do care. And the family members that I've talked to, and I'm chairman of the board of the World Trade Center Memorial, 100% in favor of saying these people, if they want to build a mosque, can build a mosque. Joining us now, Walid Shubat, who's the author of the book For God or for Tyranny. And from Washington, Reverend Barry Lynn, the executive director of Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Now, I thoroughly enjoyed watching the mayor on uh, on Stewart last night. We asked him to come on tonight, but he was golfing, I think, with President Obama, so he couldn't make it. Um, here's what I have to say about this, uh, Reverend Lynn. We have the father of, of one of our great heroes on the uh, United 93 flight, uh, of course, David Beamer uh, coming out against this mosque. Deborah Burlingame, uh, her son, also on United 93, coming out uh, vehemently against this mosque. People like Danny Pearl's dad against this mosque. You know, the idea that, oh, people are yelling and screaming, they don't care. We do deeply care. We happen to deeply okay, disagree. And uh, the demonizing. On, on. Yeah. Okay, she goes on and on. Now she's apparently against the mosque. <laughs> she never once addresses her situation. Because it's all set up. This is bogus. Does she even listen to the clip? And I'm telling you, she's no, so you, How many times do I have to tell you? When the clip is rolling, that's when the makeup comes in. You know, do I look good? Is my hair right? They're not paying any attention and to that. And here's what's the worst part. On this exact same show, do you remember the way the show opens up? There's no time for talking points. Let's get right to it. Yeah, <laughs> because it's really Later important. in the show... She actually says, well, as I said in the talking points earlier. What? Oh, she yeah. missed, she missed, the, the script was messed up. <laughs> Unbelievable. I was but looking. she still has not addressed her own situation. This is, this is the, um, to me, this is like, why do we, we even watch this crap? It's funny because there's, uh, you know, let me get, bring this up. Uh, I f someone sent me this link, um, which relates to... Uh, Relates to the mosque. This is a the victory mosque. The, I'm sorry, the victory mosque. <laughs> well, Bloomberg is right, of course. This this is all just a distraction, and it's about votes or whatever. Uh, but this is a a brand new website which actually goes full on live September first. Uh, they have kind of a um, a park page up with a YouTube video. I'm gonna play that for you. This is building what I lost my org. son. My uncle. My son. On September 11th, 2001. Most people don't know that a third tower fell on September 11th. World Trade Center 7, a 47-story skyscraper, was not hit by a plane. Although the official explanation is that fire brought down Building 7. Over 1,200 architects and engineers have looked into the evidence and believe there is more to the story. Bring justice to my son. My uncle. My nephew. My son. And thousands of others who died on September 11th. Go to Building so this is uh building pull what? it <laughs> what pull it pull it yeah pull it build uh building what.org uh which i and by the way they're airing those on television in uh, in new york these ads and so they're uh, requesting for uh support in funds uh the the name of the website is um derived from a statement that Judge Edward Lehner, 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 
New York's uh, state Supreme Court judge said upon hearing the words Building 7, he apparently said, Building what? <laughs> what? You're Bu- kidding. Yeah. Building what? Well, this guy's not keeping up. <laughs> building what? So it's buildingwhat.org. Yeah. yeah, which of course was not mentioned in the nine uh, eleven commission report or or anything like that. It's just uh, it just kind of just kind of felt because uh, it burned. It was burning. I tell you, it was fire in that uh, building. Fire, fire. Our president uh, came out with his weekly lies, uh, which, as you know, I watch faithfully, cruising through whitehouse.gov. dot uh, gov. Guess what, John? Guess what our president has done. Guess what he's doing? Uh, he went golfing again? No, he's stopping the war. He's ending it. The war is ending. He's ended the war. It's the war is ended? Yes, it's over. It's, it's well, I gonna, thought we still had 50,000 troops there. After more than seven years, the United States of America will end its combat mission in Iraq and take an important step forward in responsibly ending the Iraq war. Responsibly ending the Iraq war. What started with Colin Powell holding up a vial of anthrax... With weapons of mass well, actually, destruction. Actually, it was uranium. I think it was uh, what, what? yellow cake. Oh, yeah, yellow cake, of course. And uh, we were looking for weapons of mass destruction. Saddam Hussein, bad guy, bad guy. Got to get him. Got to get him. Yeah, now we're responsibly ending it all. As a candidate for this office, I pledged I would end this war. Let's just hear what he said. Did he actually say that? Let me listen to what he said. I will promise you this, that if we have not gotten our troops out by the time I am president... It is the first thing I will do. I will get our troops home. We will bring an end to this war. You can take that to the bank. So he didn't. He didn't say he would end the war. He said it would bring his troops, bring the troops home. He's actually holding true to his promise. He's not ending the war. He's just bringing some troops home. There's a difference. Their words do matter. Yeah, but this he also says be the first thing he does. Yeah, well, that was, of course, a lot. The way he also, the first thing he does is really close Gitmo, and that's not going to happen. Oh, gee, I'd forgotten we haven't closed that yet, have we? <laughs> what other? There's a bunch of other promises. What, weren't weren't all bills supposed to be put online so the public could comment? Oh yeah, at least three what days. To that? Yeah, that yeah. was like a big deal. Yeah, because yeah. everybody's corrupt. They're doing stuff behind closed doors. So we're going to put this, these things on online for a couple of days, and then people can comment. So what happened? Well, we well screw that. Screw, shut up, slave. Shut up. Who are you? Shut up. Don't question things. It's what I'm doing. I brought home more than ninety thousand troops since I took office. We have closed or turned over to Iraq hundreds of bases. That's like saved and created. Closed or turned over. (laughs) I'm not quite sure what that is. In many parts of the country, Iraqis have already taken the lead for security. I guess we were there for uh, just for security. We weren't there for weapons of mass destruction or for yellow cake. In the months ahead, our troops will continue to support and train Iraqi forces. Partner wow. with Iraqis in counterterrorism missions oh, good. and protect our civilians and military efforts. But the bottom line is this. Okay, here it comes. The war is ending. Yay! Yay! And now we're stuck in the place that no one's ever done well. Yeah, we're in Afghanistan. We're sending drones into uh, Yemen. <laughs> Pakistan. Pakistan. Yeah, it's great. That's so all. I sent you a... Um, a couple of, of uh, links to the who I'm referring to as the James Bond of India. Yes, I. Uh, Did I you have, read any of that stuff? You know, um, I started to read it and then uh, my eyes glazed over. But I yeah, do. Well, I, it's, I, I, it's heady stuff. This is it's under the CIA ISI cabal in the show notes. Uh, yeah, and this is about a total collaboration between the uh, Pakistan ISI 
and the uh, United States CIA, right? Well, that and the Taliban. Oh, I didn't catch that part. I didn't read that far. You had to read the second of those two articles. Well, tell me. T- t- tell it. Well, Everyone's just a, curious. It just sounds now. like a corrupt mess. <sighs> yeah. There, there, let me summarize. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. It's a corrupt mess. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> it's funny because I was reading something else about Pakistan. There are a number of Pakistani websites who are now accusing the CIA of causing Pakistan flooding. And, of course, uh, they know, as, as you and I do, John, that this is harp being used against Pakistan. Um, and uh, How many minutes are we into the show? <laughs> we're doing pretty good. At this harp thing, I'm telling you, there's there's a lot of evidence of, of weather modification going on. And uh, just look at what's going on around the world. The Russians are saying it. The Russians are saying that the that harp is being used to, to heat up Russia. And now some Pakistanis are saying, and by the way, these are unpronounceable names, these websites. Check this out. PakistanKakudafits.com. Yeah, that's catchy. Okay. <laughs> it's like, what? I can't remember that website. It's in the show notes, though. Um, uh, Andre uh, Arashev, that's the uh, the Russian scholar we talked about. He says that harp is being used to, to burn Russia. Uh, the flood disaster is more man-made than natural, says PakistanKakhu.hivs.com. The choice of starting point was perfect. All the flood is going in downstream from the Khyber Hills to Karachi, Designed to submerge all of Pakistan and produce the worst crisis and chaos ever. They know they can't win a war with nuclear-armed Pakistan. It would be mutual destruction, so they have other ways of doing it. We have ways of making you swim. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of interesting. But the... Uh, I just got... I'll get this out of the way right now. Uh, happy National Preparedness Month, John. I'm prepared. Yeah. Are you really now? I used to be a Boy Scout, you know. The uh, Oh, be prepared. It's the Boy Scouts marching song. No, the, uh, the president has proclaimed September, so I'm a little bit early, but we might as well get ready for being ready, as National Preparedness Month, because, of course, you know, we could have a bioterror uh, attack, a cyber attack, we could have an earthquake, we could have uh, uh, a number of horrible, horrible things to, uh, to hurt us. But there are so many cool websites that have popped up as a part of this uh, presidential push. Um, So we've got uh, ready.gov. Please all fire up your browsers and go to ready.gov. That includes you, human resources, in the chat room at noagendachat.net, where, of course, you need to prepare, plan, and stay informed. And it's just hilarious. I mean, it's they've got uh, some public uh, service announcements that uh, you will soon see they will be airing everywhere actually this is great because this is really slow-mo shot of a family at home and all of a sudden they're flying through the air everything's flying tables are flying the whole house is turning upside down john oranges are floating in the air this at ready.gov i'm looking at ready.gov listen what if life as you know it has completely turned on its head And they're doing backflips in the air now in slow motion. What if everything familiar becomes anything but? (laughs) It's really sad. Before a disaster turns your family's world upside down, it's up to you to be ready. Be ready. Be prepared. 
prepared. Get have a, a plan. Make they've been hit by a beam. Informed today. Yeah. <laughs> it's Learn cool. How at ready.gov. So you got to go to ready.gov because they have this series of really, really poorly acted eight eight part series of this family who clearly you go to public service advertisements. Well, uh, that's not where I am. I'm oh. at uh, no. Right now, I'm at. Uh, I'm looking at the. Uh, there's a, there's a whole video series. Uh, they're in there. Yeah, they're in. I've, all the links are in the show notes as usual. And so they have the introduction, get informed, make a plan. And, the, and this family, which is model family, mom, dad, uh, son, daughter, uh, they've clearly never worked together. <laughs> Dialogue is, is outrageous. But then they, they, they said he has a school project to talk about uh, the important work FEMA is doing. And uh, what's interesting is what keeps coming back is the possibility of a freight train derailing with uh, toxic chemicals. This is a, a constant theme throughout these clips. But just, maybe it's just listen to the uh, to a part of the ending, uh, which is uh, the get involved part eight, which is just. Uh, and by the way, you've got to see the uh, they've got like this minority report type uh, readiness room. To recap, the four steps of preparing for disaster are. Here we go. Get informed. Get informed. Make a plan. Make a plan. Assemble a kit. Get a kit. And maintain your plan and kit. Maintain the plan Being and kit. Being prepared can reduce fear. Anxiety. He's, he's uh, showing his presentation for class. Sometimes avoid the disaster completely. Yes. Yes. Very nice. Zach. That's beautiful. Very, very, very good. good. That's great. Very proud of you, Zach. Mm-hmm. Now, you ready to do that in front of your class? This is Dad. I think I'm ready. <laughs> I think you are too. <laughs> I think you are, son. Through our son's project, our family was able to take the steps necessary to prepare for disasters of any type. Oh, John, are you prepared for disasters of any kind at any time? Yeah, I got to have to tank a gas. <laughs> Fortunately, we had lots of help along the way <laughs> no, from do. those who work in the disaster field and from many publications that are available nationwide. Yes. The booklets that we used can be obtained through your local American Red Cross chapter. Oh, the Red Cross is involved. Since when is that a government organization? Yeah, since when? No, they're not. They're not a government organization. No, of course not. This is a scam. The total scam. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. They're also available from FEMA along with the Are You Ready Guide. You can contact the FEMA Distribution Center at 1-800-480-2520 for copies. John, let's go to our FEMA Distribution Center. I wonder what I they want to dis- copy now. <laughs> Every American can and should do their part to be better prepared and better protected. Hell yeah. And help their communities do yes. the same. Yes. Absolutely. Here it comes. I mean, our family just volunteered on our community emergency response team. Ah, com- community emergency response team. CERT. Ooh. Yes, John. What could that be? That's right. It's also known as CERT. Right now, our team is learning how to provide immediate assistance to victims. And we're learning how to uh, assemble information to give to first responders as soon as they arrive on the scene. Yeah, right on. CERT is a part of the Citizen Corps Program. Okay, there you go. Citizen Corps Program. Citizen Corps Program? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is citizencorps.gov. It's endless, these $18 million websites. Citizen Corps is FEMA's grassroots strategy. Isn't that a dichotomy? How can it be what FEMA's grassroots yeah, strategy? It makes no sense. Yeah, it's, to, an, it's an oxymoron. <laughs> That's what it is, oxymoron. To bring together government and community leaders to involve citizens in all hazards, emergency preparedness, and resilience. Uh, so this is essentially... Um, 
your this is the uh, well, what they call it. Uh, it's, a, it's a waste of the taxpayers' money. <laughs> yeah, they it would be it. a waste of money is is one. But this is these are the shills who are going to be uh, you know when FEMA comes marching to put you on the train, the, your neighbors are going to be guiding you. Move along now, people, and you can get certified. You can get badges. You can get I- special ID. Oh yeah, ooh. I'm joining. Yeah, special IDs and stuff. Oh, I can oh, yeah. use an ID. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, they have they have special ID cards. Yeah, excuse me, I'm with CERT. I'm from member of the Citizen Corps. Well, you know, CERT is one of the major uh, organizations that uh, deals with computer disasters in terms of like no. giant worms that take over the DNS system and things like that. I think they should. They'd be irked about this. I think they've stolen their acronym. Yeah, they totally did. By the way, we have two days, 14 hours, 17 minutes, and 42 seconds until National Preparedness Month begins, according to uh, their website. So, uh, yeah, make sure you get get your uh, badges and uh, your ID cards, and uh, maybe they'll even give you a, a cool vest that glows in the dark. Register a council. Find a nearby council. I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna be the guy here. <laughs> Can you just imagine? Hey, move along. Hey, hey, I'm from Cert. Move <laughs> along now. Shut up, slave. Get on the train. Get on it. Damn it. Shut up. So I just found that uh, to be somewhat uh, abhorrent. I don't like it when you say we have a, a government-run grassroots campaign. I just don't like it. Hmm. I'm looking at they already have a dozens of these things have already organized usually around uh, you know they're probably the same guys who went door to door collecting for Obama of course but uh, please have a look at uh, at ready.gov and enjoy all the videos where they continuously warn about a train running off the rails with uh, toxic chemicals this is uh, an ongoing theme <laughs> so we could be on the lookout kind for of, that. There's, there's mixed messages here, you know. They got the and now that my latest thing with the trains good, planes bad. You might as well play the theme. Here we go. All aboard! Trains good, planes bad. Is this apparently Cal- California? Did you get this note? California is a great story. California is requiring if the French are going. You know, there's obviously this whole phony baloney high speed rail in California is already in the bag. For somebody, mm-hmm. because the French decided that they want to like bid on this thing, and with, you know, with they their, got the, with their TGV? They have the best high speed trains in the world, yes. And they want to get in on this. It's like, can we maybe? How about letting us in on this deal? Instead of, <laughs> hey, we want another deal. It, yeah. instead, of, instead of a blank check to Siemens, yeah, your just, pals. Yeah, don't just hand it all to Germany. We hate those guys. So they're requiring the French. California, state of this typical California, requiring the French to turn over all their documents about how much these the French National Railway took Jews and <laughs> shipped them to the concentration camps. <laughs> Can you make it any more blatantly clear? It's basically, it. yeah, no, that's essentially what they we want to see all the document. Well, how, how much how much collaboration was going on, you Frenchies? And so we want the records, and the French we actually the French have apparently released the records to other countries before, and it's there, but they're just they they have to be shaking their heads, knowing this is just harassment. There's a, a website uh, just on that briefly. I think it's we will we will not be chipped dot com or dot org, uh, where this New York Times um, reporter or or I think they probably wrote freelance for the New York Times uh, goes in depth into IBM and their. Uh, uh, machines that were used by the by the Nazis to uh, segregate Jews oh, yeah. 
The Hillather, what is it, Hillerith? Hillerith machine, I think it's called? Hollerith. Hollerith, right. They're, they're card sorters. Yeah, card sorter, but he, you know, he actually shows all the different oh, codes. This is, I bet you 10 bucks this is Ed Black. Yeah, it was Ed Black. Yeah. Is he weird? Ed Black's a friend of mine. Oh, so, of course he is. So it, he's kind of a weird guy, talks out of the side of his mouth, has like buggy eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Dark. Uh great though. Great story. And you know Ed Black Ed Black used to be the publisher and editor in chief of OS two magazine. <laughs> oh, and, he worked for IBM. No, he, he's he's but he he's actually a really good he's like an out, unbelievably outstanding investigative reporter. He did a lot of things about modern slavery, for example. I mean actual slavery. Well, yeah, but this, this is this is exactly what, what the whole website is about, is about very chip. Uh, who have changed their name now, of course, to, uh, hmm, what the hell is it? I'll come up with it. Um, and IBM, how they're working together to essentially, you know, get everybody chipped, and then they'll use great big IBM mainframes, and then they'll put us on the FEMA trains. <laughs> Created I by like the it. French. Sounds good. Ed's, yeah. Ed, good work, Ed. Continued success. <laughs> yeah. No, I think Ed is doing great work. I really like it. We the people will not be chipped, I think. is uh, You can just Google that. Um, but on the trains thing, uh, another uh, revolving California, um, the, uh, what is it, uh, the Center for Urban Infrastructure uh, released a report, and this is a, a California organization. Uh, it's called Thinking Ahead High Speed Rail in California. They detail the benefits of building a mass intercity high speed rail system for Southern California. And so they essentially were given a, um, uh, a gig to write up a report about where this thing should run and what it should be doing. And this really, really shows that the plan is not to transport people, uh, but to transport freight, because they actually say, uh, the writers of the report say, suggest that most of the money should be used to link Bakersfield and Fresno uh, in Central California, <laughs> which, of course, is uh, farmland. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, who's going to go from Baker? <laughs> what person who <laughs> no. wants to go to either one of those towns? No, it's, it's for freight. It's for corn and stuff like that. Yeah, you move stuff back and forth. Great. Yeah, it's a great things. report. You should really read it. It's funny. There's, they also talk about, you know, well, we're going to have a problem with, uh, with parking at these terminals. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so they're talking about air rights. Have you ever heard of air rights? No. That means the right to build up in the air or oh, something? Oh, to build straight up. Yeah, I yeah. have heard of that. So talking about towering parking structures and stuff and shut up, slave. Don't, just walk around. Just park park a mile away and then walk. That's kind of the uh, kind of the gist of that. You're going to take the, uh, the the little tram. But the funniest thing was on the Dvorak. The, the high-speed tram. High-speed tram. <laughs> Woo-woo! The funniest thing was on uh, uh, Dvorak.org slash blog. About this British Airways uh, flight um, on its way to Hong Kong. And, yeah, I and, love this story. And all of a sudden, uh, apparently, a pre-recorded tape comes on uh, telling everyone that uh, they're going to make an emergency water landing. <laughs> they're all going to die. Yeah, and by the way, they were over the North Sea, not the ocean. I mean, the North Sea, which is kind of crazy. I think we have an ABC News report here, which... Uh, I don't know if it has a pre-roll. I'm sure it does. Let's see. Uh, there may be some cool audio on this. Let's see if they have a commercial. <clears throat> Come on. <sighs> you know, Safari sucks. Anyway, so screw that then. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm sure we have some aviators in the audience. I would like to know. I, I, I'm not aware of... 
and I think this was a 747, I'm not aware of a pre-recorded message that you're going to... Yeah, that's what I asked in, the, in that posting. That, make, that makes no sense to Why me. Why is it on tape? It makes no sense Somebody to me. Somebody bumps the, 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 the machine, they walk by it, they bump it, next thing you know, it's said, we're going to crash. What, what I think it is, I think it's the in-flight video entertainment system that they probably have a number of emergency videos that in, and, you know, like you'd have time, you know, like if, if you're descending at 2,000 feet a minute or whatever, like you have time to hit the button. I'm pretty sure they have something on the in-flight video entertainment. That's probably what it was. I don't think it was something triggered from the cockpit. You know, so, oh, here it is. Every airline passenger's worst fear. A warning comes on the speaker to prepare for a crash landing in the ocean. It's just a warning that hundreds of people... It's the North Sea, Diane. It's a sea, not an ocean. ...reaction you would expect. But what was really happening? Jeremy Hubbard tells us. <laughs> I, I, again, they've licensed video from, uh, from airport. <laughs> It's not not cheap, these packages. On a British Airways flight from Heathrow to Hong Kong Tuesday night, it seemed to be happening for real. Oh, my God, everyone was panicking. I mean, you know, the, there was people who were crying and shaking. We talked to Michelle today, one of 275 people on the flight in total darkness, 30,000 feet up, when a terrifying automated announcement came. This is an emergency, the cabin speakers blared. We may shortly need to make an emergency landing on water. I didn't know whether to kind of, you know... See if I could use that sort of telephone thing in the back of the seat to contact my parents or to get my life jacket on or, you know, what to do next. Somehow the warning message was triggered by mistake. British Airways is now apologizing to passengers on board the flight for causing them undue stress. I wish I was on that flight. I would sue them so bad. I'd be like, you've ruined my life. I have nightmares. Yeah, no, they're going to get sued a lot. But, uh, I, but, have to, I, but I just like to have know to, about this. I don't understand. I, I, it you makes have no to sense. wonder. I mean, I, how about this for a concept? It was done on purpose to do some socio, sociological research. What happens if? Right. Well, I know we've got a lot of uh, big bird uh, captains out there. So let us know if there is indeed this type of uh, automatic system and how it's triggered. And uh, we'd just like to know. And they're showing pictures of a 747. So I'm going to presume that that's what, uh, what this is. I'm sure what, was. they're flying from Heathrow to Hong Kong. That's a 747. Yeah. I think a 777 a can make that trip too. But I think it, British Air, I think, is flying 47. Oh, it can, a, a 777 can definitely make it. Yeah, but I don't think British. I think British Air uses mostly the seven four seven for yeah. that flight. But I'd just like to know. I would really like to know. Uh, and then there was all kinds of other uh, train plane stuff. I see, uh, there was a ghost hunter who was killed by a train in North Carolina. He was on the track. Yeah, douche. A uh, ghost hunter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently in 1891 or something um, over this bridge, it's one of those, you know, r- real typical railway bridges that goes over, you know, like hundreds of feet in the air. Um, and 30 people died, and apparently there's ghosts there. So every year, ghost hunters go out on the anniversary of this accident from the 1890s, and they go hunting for ghosts. Well, there's uh, an extra ghost now. Yeah, but actually a, a train came along. <laughs> It's like, yeah, okay. And so uh, uh, three of the five people were able to run before the train got him. And then uh, one guy pushed his girlfriend off the bridge, and she fell into the trees down below, was hurt, but is alive, and he uh, unfortunately got uh, uh, got killed. Uh, so don't mess with trains, I think, is the message there. But they were on a trestle? Yeah, trestle is what it is. Trestle, 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 yeah. 
Um, huh. It's dumb. Yeah, JetBlue uh, tires caught fire during a hard landing in Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, that was right. big news. Yeah, woo! You the know. question on my mind is, I didn't even know JetBlue went to Sacramento. <laughs> that's why that's the airport. That's why they're letting you know. Hey, we go. How to? How, here's the meeting. How can they let how, people know we go to Sacramento? We need people to know. Hmm, let me think. Let me think what we can do. <laughs> I do have some excellent news, John. I received an email from one of our producers, and he was bitching and moaning about something, and it was kind of irrelevant. But then he says, you know, hey, dude, I'm a douchebag, but I'm only making three bucks an hour. And so I fire an email back and say, what douchebag company is paying you three bucks an hour? So that's illegal. And he comes back and he says, well, I live in Tijuana, Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, but check it out. He says, the company I work for is owned by Carlos Slim. Uh, he uses the MF word for him, actually, the richest man in the world. Um, and uh, what's happening is he's a computer systems engineer. Listen to this, guys. Three bucks an hour, computer systems engineer. And he works at, well, I won't tell you the name of the company because I don't want to get him or anyone else in trouble. Uh, but it was just uh, purchased. And there's like all this stuff, you know, like Calderon's uh, son-in-law or someone, you know, owns the, owns this company. And so it's like all money going in and out of uh, one pocket to the other. But what this company is doing is creating uh, the national ID card for Gitmo Nation Taco. And he says to me, he says, but don't worry, we're putting loopholes in the system. I'm like, cool. And so I query, I say, what are the loopholes? He says, well, um, the way we're doing it is we're putting in uh, into the system uh, a little web responder. And if you know the URL, then you fire off, uh, you know, then you fire up a web page, which will have like a question mark query and uh, I guess your ID number, and it will remove you from the system. No. How cool is that, huh? That's totally cool. You know, I bet you every system has this stuff. Well, and, and so this, of course, comes back to the, you know, sysadmins to the rescue. Um, although he does, say, he does say here in his note, uh, you know, we've been trying to implement it, um, but... Uh, We've put it through a couple times, and then the, uh, the it goes off to testers, and it came back, and uh, the note was, unnecessary code must be deleted. <laughs> but uh, they're trying. So, you know, I, I think, uh, I truly believe that the goodness of sysadmins around the world are going to save us from this crap, particularly these... Unnecessary this- code must be deleted. Well, there's ways around that. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm- you can compress the code. You can pre-compile yeah, it. of course. He, he, so he's not going to tell... Or I, we've agreed I'm not going to give it all away, but this, this part I could certainly give away. The whole point is uh, these systems are made by people, and most people who grow up writing computer code, uh, I would have to say, have, uh, have some crackpot buzzkill in them. And if not, (laughs) if not, we can get to them. We can get to them. So that's all good news. But I like the idea. I like it, you know, where there's like a special URL and you just hit it and boop, boom. So I wanted to talk about uh, David or the Koch brothers this week because I kind of deconstructed a few things that I think are important. And also, I think they should listen to our show. No, they should be these guys who are billionaires should be sending us money. We'd, We'd make them. What, what can we make them? First of all, we'd make them hey, automatic knights with rings. Well, they might not want to be mentioned. Uh, it's okay. It, well, we won't mention. We'll still send them the rings, but we won't mention them. Just send right. us your cash, Coke brothers. You're on our side. 
Koch brothers. So anyway, so they did a they did. I know we mentioned this in passing last week. They did a hit piece in um, in the New Yorker on them uh, called "Covert Operations: Billionaire Brothers Who Are Waging a War Against Obama." Yeah. So I have I have a separate um, heading in the show notes called "Party Ties," and uh, and and there's basically two links in there one is about the Koch brothers and then the other one is about the uh, the secret uh, meeting of all the um progressives in 2004 to get bush out of the white house just showing yeah. you that all the millionaires written are- by the same woman jane meyer that yeah. is called the money man yeah. and instead of like the waging a war it's can george soros millions insure yeah. the words <laughs> insure yeah. insure the defeat of president bush so you can just see immediately that mayor is uh kind of compromised she's compromised she's she's a the classic liberal uh by the way she is an outstanding writer which oh, it's makes well written, dangerous. yes. But she's still a douchebag. Oh, douchebag. But Bag I mean, because she takes one side or the other. But meanwhile, everybody's been jumping on these guys. Oh, everyone on the left, because of one thing or another, and they they turn out to. And but but what I want to talk about, and I think we'll do it after we mention the uh, mention the our um, donors this week, because because it's it's going to take a little more than usual time. I, I don't want to. Be too boring. Oh, you want to do donors but, now, or do you I want? Think we should do donors because I want. But what I want to talk about after the donors is is the idea is associate as word association and how it's being used to kind of twist the way you think. And and this comes up after a uh, a lunch that the company had uh, as a going away lunch for Nick and Kari. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because somebody brought something up. As soon as they did that, I, st- I looked, and then I realized what what kind of method, what what kind of new trickery is going on that we have to be kind of aware of. Okay, <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. Well, um, I'm very confused by uh, the the support uh, mentions that we have because, of course, we had a, a big fail on Thursday, so a number of notes didn't get mentioned. Um, uh, so we ha- we have some make dues here. Uh, and then it was it's, it's a it's a cluster f yeah. to me so so can i just well, i mean i have two things i want to make sure i i do these and then also stay out of the way um so we have this one from uh chris do we have do we have a make do on chris that you know of is that the one that just came in i don't know he says i'd like to call out this is from last week so i don't know what the uh what the donation amounts were, but I just want to make sure I do it. Chris says, I'd like to call out the human resources department of my contract agency through which I'm employed as douchebags Douchebag. for compelling me to sign and agree to adhere to a policy that specifically defines any visible tattoo as harassing behavior. Oh, yeah, we forgot to do that last week. <laughs> I do not have any tattoos myself, but I find it abhorrent, good use of the word, Chris, that they would define all tattoos, even those of Holocaust survivors, as harassment. Yeah, nice point. And uh, this is Eric Gray, um, who says uh, we didn't read his $333.33 donation from last week. I thought we did. I would have remembered this. Uh, Hello, heroes. Please read on air. Apologies for the late donation. I'd like to thank and make mention of uh, Ara Derdarian host of HDTV and Home Repair Theater Podcasts, also a No Agenda supporter. Please call out my bro, Andrew Peace, as a douchebag. Hold on douchebag! A second. Uh, 
uh, for not donating yet. I'd like to, if any of you know Agenda Disciples on Xbox, want to hit me up. I'm the Living Easy E. Um, and that was it. That's all I got, and I'll leave the rest up to you. I just want to make okay, sure. Okay, well, we also does. have a we had a late donation. We have a couple of birthdays. I want you to just make a note when you do the birthdays. I'm I'm doing everything on your queue today. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, do you have the birthday call out for? Do you want to do the birthday thing right now? No, no, not necessarily. Oh, okay. I just want let me give the numbers out first, and okay. then we'll deal all right. with. Good it. idea. Good idea. Okay, so we got $100 from John Smith, Sir John Smith, actually, from Alpharetta, Georgia. So on this continuity of $100 a month and opt out of the mothership plan. Uh, as I've been living with mainstream media zombies for so long now, I'm not sure what I would do on a ship full of no agenda listeners. <laughs> Wait a minute, so he's, not, he's, he's getting off the ship? Yeah, he's getting off the ship like I am. <laughs> All right. Hey, Sir John, you know, uh, nice knowing you. Okay. So he, He's, he's gonna. Up. He's, that's okay. He, he, he. We can hang out, and he's in Georgia. We can go just eat, uh, uh, pull pork, and and drink beer. Yeah, you, you know, you go do that. You go do that. I will. That's fine. But you could buzz us. <laughs> Fly by. We'll all be behind our windows waving. Hey, see ya. Uh, Michael Kearns, Platte City, Missouri. Sixty nine, sixty nine. I'm doubling down on you guys. I'm keeping up my patronage. Hope you guys keep up the great work. We Thank do you our very best. Much. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, some new uh, listeners: uh, Andrew Carey from Leighton, London, London, England. Uh, Leighton. Where's Leighton's a district? There. I don't. Never heard of it. Uh, fifty five, fifty five. Hi guys. Andrew from the Bahamas, but living in Gitmo Nation East. Love the show. I've been listening for 1.5 months. He must be an engineer. Hoping for some good karma while I go through this new rigorous process of renewing my work permit under the new coalition government. Yeah, good luck with that. I'd also appreciate a de-douching if possible. Absolutely. You've been de-douched. Colin McCarthy. Wait, wait. Here's, here's a tip for oh. Andrew. Go no. back to the Bahamas. Are you out of your mind? She's living in Gitmo Nation East. Get out. Get out. Bahamas Bahamas is great. You can go to Bermuda. Uh, Colin McCarthy, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, 55, double nickels on the diamond. Andrew Everett, uh, Tea Gardens, New South Wales, uh, double nickels on the diamond. He sent an email about the Posse Comitatus Act. Uh, I think we read that or somebody did. Yeah, we've talked about the. You know what's the problem is we talk about so much stuff and we get new listeners and then we, you know we know that we've spoken about it but they don't yeah. know. So yeah, Posse, yeah, the Posse Comitatus Act is essentially that the um, uh, the U.S. government may not put troops uh, in action against its own people, which of course is being done continuously at checkpoints, DUI checkpoints, checkpoint, checkpoint. We're gonna check you, son. And of course they're only there to help. Just in case, you know, someone gets stuck in their car or something. But uh, it's being violated continuously. Uh, Nicholas Wallace, Toledo, Ohio, 5342. In the morning to you, looking to get some house selling karma. My job is letting me transfer to Tennessee. Yay. Well, the living's easy. Have uh, By the way, they, they, they're very, you, when you drive first drive in, into Tennessee, there's a huge billboard on, on all the major roads that say, we... Uh, Enforce our speed limits. <laughs> and by the way, they should do that for Washington State because I've said it before. I'll say it again on the show to remind anybody traveling outside of the Seattle metro area into the any place else in, in Washington State, 
they make they don't do not have a personal income tax in Washington state. They make all their money from speeding tickets. Yeah, and you should contest that. You should go to court whenever you can because there's a, there's a good chance that the cop won't show up. Usually grounds for dismissal. Yeah, and well, not so much in Washington. Contest. Oh, really? Because yeah. I think each cop does about $250,000 a year in speeding tickets up there. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, that's uh, what they yeah. do. You, you could go be a murderer and you, you'd be no problem. Yeah, it's like 150 bucks for, what, five five miles too fast? And you, you get a hit on your insurance, so it helps the insurance companies. It's a big scam. So the yeah. advice is just drive the speed limit. You have you if you don't have a cruise control in Washington State, you're going to be sorry. <laughs> you're going to you're, you're going to get it. And they always are down on the downslope of a hill. Have you ever noticed that? Well, they always yeah, and they say oh, speed. At least they warn you that they're going to change the speed limit. They say speed uh, zone ahead, so you got about a quarter of a mile. Then then it, when it goes from fifty five or sixty to forty or thirty. Essentially, you have to slam on the brakes. Yeah, yeah. you can't even cruise. You can't even no, slow you can't down. Even slow speed. down to a cruise. No. So uh, we got also DUI dash help dot com and Barry Wilson are uh, still hanging in there on their uh, uh, knighthood uh, uh, thing. Their layaway okay. program. Layaway program. Right. What am I thinking? Okay. Uh, uh, five the birthdays here for a second. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you, how many? Which ones do you have? I don't know. Hold on. A I've got uh, Rory Stone, who says happy birthday to his brother, Cody J. Stone, whose birthday was on the 25th. And I've got... uh, (laughs) Happy birthday to Chris Advent from Cary. Yay! (laughs) It's your birthday, yeah! Whew! Barely made it. Yeah, really. I thought that was a donut. No, it's not. A, it's a. It's a. It's a double stinger. I can fire it up whenever I want to. Duh. Yeah, but you can't end it whenever you want. Yes, I can. Here, oh, it's, okay. Well, then yeah, it see, is. I, I have this. It's your birthday, yeah. Now I'm giving away the trades of uh, the secrets of my trade. We, we're open. This is a. We're uh, transparent. <laughs> Completely transparent. People always wonder how you end the. Uh, you know, when we do the intro. It always seems to time perfectly. Yeah, it's amazing how that works. It's only it's amazing. <laughs> how does that work? It's just outrageous. Speaking of amazing, uh, GX2's Amazing is the first release on NoAgendaRecords.com. Oh, yeah, there's a new project out there, John. Uh, NoAgendaRecords.com uh, releases uh, uh, music uh, to iTunes and to Amazon, so it's all legal. And uh, all proceeds, uh, I guess, excluding some costs, but might, might not even be that. I don't think they have much cost, uh, goes to the show. Uh, and the GX2 Amazing track, which, by the way, I would love to hear that in a club. It is truly amazing. Uh, is the first release, and it's on iTunes. That now. would be cool. Yeah, it's very cool. So we have two nights. Yes, uh, let me just uh, draw my... Sir, can you uh, draw yours out for a second? That's a heavy there? one. Yeah, okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we would like, um, let me see, Sean Connolly and Matthew Carey to step forward, please. We'll do Sean first. Sean, please kneel. Yeah, that's good. Well, Sean, you've done it. You have completed your support of the No Agenda show in the amount of, a minimum amount of $1,000. Therefore, we now proudly knight thee, sir, Sean Connolly, Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable, please step on over and enjoy our hookers and blow. 
Okay. Now, I don't have the. Uh, I have pay- another, we, have, we have another night, John. Yeah. Yeah. Is it something you need to say before that? Or well, that's we- what I was going to talk about. I think we have it. He's a double night, I believe. Matthew? The one you're, the one you're getting. No, no. One of the ones you're going to bring. Sir Sean? I don't know. Just go ahead. Yeah, Never please. Mind. Just can you bring out the sort? This gotta, is a smaller one. Yeah, because that one is bloody. The other one was jeez, yeah. I can break my back. <laughs> Matthew Carey, step forward, please. You two, Matthew, have completed your quest. Amounts totaling up to one thousand dollars, which means a ring will be on the way to you soon, made of reared and steel. But first, we must officially knight the Sir Matthew Carey, Knight of the New Agenda Roundtable. Up and enjoy some hookers and blow, which, by the way, is a meme now getting into the mainstream Look. media as we listen to Gene Simmons speaking to his son, Nick Simmons, on the Family Jewels program. Look, you're going to have options, and Doc McGee is your potential manager. He's going to make sure that all the labels who are interested in you are going to come in. And you know what they're all going to say? This label is like a family. But we are. Well, yeah, but the other... The other label guys are offering me, you know, hookers and blow. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just stealing it from us. You know you know, he's listening. Gene Simmons would totally listen to this show. Anyway. I think we have a double night that is going to become a black night. Here, I'm going to tell people out there something they, they need to know who would like to write comments into the PayPal box. Try to keep the comments short to, to like 200 words or so because once they get to a certain length, they actually do not export when we when we put together the spreadsheet and we start naming names and we, it just comes in blank. So uh, keep the comments short and if you want to continue a longer comment, put it in the comment itself. Tell us that you have sent some email with a little more uh, to read, uh, even though we don't usually don't read these really extremely long ones. So I think there's somebody in the in abeyance out there that is heading for a double knighthood, but is maybe end up as a black knight if we don't. Uh, I'll straighten it out in the by Thursday. But I do want to remind people there's two things they should do. One, if they have a subscription, to make sure that it's actually still in in play because PayPal likes to just pull them for no reason, or if you miss a you know one payment. And the other thing is these long, long, long messages tend to uh, get they, they get stripped out because I don't know why. It doesn't make sense to me, but they, that's what happens. So this program is entirely supported by listeners, uh, but we're really entirely supported by listeners and not like uh, our national treasure NPR and our other national treasure PBS, uh, which we'll actually hear playing actual commercials in a moment uh, with the story we're about to do. It's an incredible amount of work. We do it twice a week, a total of four hours. That is uh, 16 hours of entertainment. Uh, I think that's at least worth a $5 a month uh, donation. That way you really support the show. We're trying to get as many of those as possible because that becomes our sustaining base. And, of course, everything else, um, uh, we're a complete open show. You can do whatever you want with our name. Uh, you can donate uh, any proceeds or none of it if you want. If you want to be a douchebag like that, that's okay, too. But most people set up uh, programs and systems to uh, to help us. Uh, our listeners, our producers, you're intimately involved with the program. And uh, this is what we do. Uh, I have no other job except for the Big App Show. Uh, but that's not a, a moneymaker. <laughs> so, Yet. I don't, it's hard, man. It's hard to make money off of apps, okay? I sell $20,000 worth of apps a month, and I get 5% of that. 
Well, it's better than a poking eye with a sharp stick. Yeah, but you know you can't really live in in Southern California off of that. Yeah, no, we do need to have listener support. We're and that's the only reason we can do this show the way we do it. We need only listener support, uh, which means people listen to the show. I mean, if, if Monsanto wants to send us a thousand dollars and become and one of the guys wants to become a knight, we'll take the thousand dollars. We're not going to do any pro Monsanto stuff. No, but, <laughs> no, but, but we'll take your money. <laughs> but we'll take the money. Yeah, of but, course. But but it's not like we're they're sponsoring anything. I mean, the the sponsors are like we played last week that crazy clip where we're not indebted to sponsors. Public broadcasting is extremely inde- indebted to sponsors. To to and it's ridiculous. They're actually. completely all over sponsors. The only and do, by the way, I'm telling you, we're moving into the into the the popular mainstream. John, I'm reading in the chat room that apparently John Stewart is now talking about. <laughs> so you know he's listening. No, I think he, I think a couple of his, his writers, writers his writers listen. In fact, hey, that's really writers. cool. You know, so if his writers should send us some dough. <laughs> yeah, we're giving him great writers? material. We're giving him great, we're giving him material. What do you mean? There's people without jobs who support this show. Yeah, I know, and I appreciate that those guys the most. And we yeah. also appreciate everybody who's got a five dollar thirty three thirty three subscription. It's a big deal. How's our 42 doing for the lucky 10, 10, 10, which is binary for 42? 42, of course, is the answer to uh, all questions in the universe. Um, you want to set up the donation page for $42? It's, uh, actually, I intend to have it up tonight. Okay, great. I'll uh, check on that. $42 yeah, will bring you Super Karma on 10, 10, 10, which is a Sunday, and uh, we'll be uh, blasting out the Super Karma package to everybody who donates uh, forty-two dollars on ten, ten, ten binary for forty-two. Uh, go ahead and Google the number forty-two. You'll see that it is totally a magical number. So let's get back to the the, the, the Coke, Coke brothers. brothers. Yeah. Now uh, this is where we get to right from the website. Do you want to just play this now? Yeah. This is the, the the woman who wrote the article, who is the you know kind of the, wrote the Soros article in two thousand four, which is a bunch different. I should read a little bit of the beginning of it. She wrote this uh, this basically a hit piece on the Koch brothers, and uh, most of it, most of the data, and, and and I think that the triggering mechanism for the hit piece is a PDF file, which we'll have a link to in the show notes, uh, uh, which is actually a kind of a white paper. Uh, on the Koch brothers and climate denial, and, and it was done by Greenpeace, and much of the information is taken from there. But let me just give you some idea as to the, the objectivity. For one thing, in this in this PDF file, they have photo after photo after photo, which are essentially you know, showing smoking stacks and oil refineries on fire and all these things that get nothing to do with anything. There, This is all associative, which is what I want to talk about on this deconstruction. Uh, it's an associative messaging, which was brought to my attention at this luncheon. But uh, let's start by uh, listening to a little bit of of Meyer on the uh, National Harry Treasure, show, and there's some associative stuff in here. So this is NPR, which uh, does, uh, which is uh, listener supported, but not really. I'm firing this up from their website, uh, so it's the web-based player. Let's see if they have uh, an advertisement here or something. Support that... for NPR comes from Chase. Oh. Introducing Inc. The new line of business cards from Chase. Learn more at Inc. From Chase. Wait a minute. Let's do it again. See if we get a different one. Do you think we'll get a different ad? No. I bet we will. Let's see if we get a different ad. I bet we're going to get a different ad. These, it, that advertising stuff is smart. 
Support for NPR comes from NPR member stations and Focus Features with the new suspense thriller The American, starring George Clooney as a master assassin. George Clooney is supporting NPR. He's great as the master assassin. Wait, maybe there's another ad, John. Let's see if we can get a third one. This All is, right. I love doing this. This is great. Hey, they're supported by ads, people. Support for NPR comes from Lumber Liquidators, whose flooring includes pre-finished and stained solid hardwoods, bamboo, cork, and laminates. Information at LumberLiquidators.com. Hey, we appreciate your support, Lumber Liquidators. <laughs> Come on, man. This is too funny. Let's try it. Let's try it one more time. If we get a, if we get a double, then we'll, then we'll go on to the story. You'll be here all day. I don't know. Let's support for NPR comes from Progressive Insurance. <laughs> Sponsor... <laughs> This is great. This is a lot of fun. One more time. Okay. Can I just get support from people? Say hello to the new NPR music app for the iPhone, a music (laughs) magazine for your ears. Read, hear, and experience. Okay. I think we've done it. I think now we've run, they've capped us. So after a certain amount of times, they just don't serve you any new ads. (laughs) They've capped you. Yeah. I think that's it. We'll play a little bit of this gross thing. All right. We'll play the gross thing, but I have to listen to an ad. Support for NPR comes from Wic Invest, (laughs) committed to helping investors track their investing and retirement. When do they thank people for sending in their cash? They don't. They're liars. You're commercial. Commercial bastards. This is Terry Gross. This is Fresh Air. I'm Terry Gross. You might not know their names, but brothers Charles and David Koch have quietly given more than $100 million to right-wing causes, underwriting a huge network of foundations, think tanks, and political groups. Jane Mayer reports on the Koch brothers in the current edition of The New Yorker in an article titled Covert Operations, The Billionaire Brothers Who Are Waging a War Against Obama. (laughs) <laughs> she says the Koch brothers have become the primary underwriters of hardline libertarian politics in America, and their views dovetail with their corporate interests. Charles, who is 74, and David, who is 70, own virtually all of Koch Industries, a conglomerate whose annual revenues are estimated to be $100 billion. The Kochs operate oil refineries in several states and control some 4,000 miles of pipelines. Koch Industries owns brawny paper towels, Dixie Cups, Georgia Pacific Lumber, Stainmaster Carpet, and Lycra, and is ranked by Forbes as the second largest private company in the country after Cargill. Just to clarify, Koch is spelled K-O-C-H. Jane Mayer is a staff writer for The New Yorker. She writes about politics and the war on terror. (sighs) Jane Mayer, welcome back to Fresh Air. Now, you say that by giving money to fund political groups like Tea Party protesters, they've helped turn their private agenda into a mass movement. So before we get to who they've given money to, what do you consider to be the Koch brothers' private agenda? Well, they are long-time, very hard-line libertarians. So their private agenda is really the eradication of the federal government in almost all of its forms other than the parts of it that protect personal rights. Right, like, uh, isn't that like the Constitution? <laughs> yeah. You want more? So that we, we don't have to play any more of that because I got too Can many. Can I play another photos. ad? No, but I let you know they they had that progressive ad. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because uh, uh, Meyer in her 2004 piece mm-hmm. uh, she mentions uh, 
the organ that piece starts off about how they're having a secret meeting. This is all fine when the Democrats are doing it, by the yeah, way. But, uh, but let me yeah. just read you the beginning of that article. It's called The Money Man about Soros. On August 6th, the week after the Democratic Convention, the clandestine summit meeting took place in the Aspen Institute in Colorado's Rocky Mountains. The participants, all Democrats, were sworn to secrecy, and few of them will discuss the event. One thing that is certain, however, is the guests formed a tableau that not many people would associate with the Democrats' party of the past. Five billionaires joined a half a dozen dozen liberal leaders in a lengthy conversation of the future of progressive politics in America. On and on and on, a secret meeting. Uh, no one was supposed to know about this, said one person or you know another. And then it says, this is interesting. The meeting's organizer was Peter B. Lewis, the 70-year-old reclusive chairman of the Progressive Corporation, <laughs> which progressive. we just saw advertised. Oh, my goodness. Pushing an ad out on this NPR show. Coincidence? I think not. And while she bitches and moans, the uh, writer complains bitterly about the fact that the Koch brothers won't talk to her because, you know, why should they? Uh, it's fine that this guy's the same way. He says, uh, uh, according to Lewis's friends, he concluded that it would be best to remain a shadow figure in the 2004 campaign. He's declined all requests for interviews, but she's not pissed at him. No. But anyway. Because he's good. He's good. He advertises on NPR. He's uh, helping the, <laughs> he the cause. He's a good he's guy. A smart. The, the irony to all this, by the way, is that the Koch brothers also give the NPR. They're one of the main financiers of the Nova show. Really? And they also give to the ACLU, which nobody seems to want to mention. Yeah. So they, they give money to the Democratic causes. They give, they they give, give money, money to, to everybody. Anybody to they every, can then buy. They're mostly giving money How to come we're getting screwed? <laughs> Dvorak.org slash NA. Dvorak.org slash NA. Come on, Coke Brothers. Must, I only want them to do is listen to the show, and then we won't even have to mention it because they're going to say, well, these two guys, the tag team right wingers, are actually libertarians just like us. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm sure they're for, you know, the funny thing is about these crazy lefties and the crazy right wing libertarians, not the regular right wingers. Uh, the, and I don't even wouldn't call these two guys right wingers. Even though all the reports, oh, right wing billionaires, right wing uh, billionaires. Tea party, tea party. Well, anyway, there's an associative thing going on uh, that I want to get just jump to. I'm not going to keep talking about this other stuff for it necessarily. Uh, and you heard it in the uh, Terry Gross report. She says hardline libertarian, and and then Jane Meyer comes out and she says hardline libertarian. What does that mean, John? Well, it doesn't mean anything, but mm -hmm. what it does is it takes a word hardline, which is always associated with something bad, yep. and just puts it in your brain. And here's what happened to me at the lunch. I'm at the lunch, and we're, I'm talking, I got uh, Nick and uh, Andrew are sitting there, and they're the only two guys that listen to the show, and everybody else, you know, is a bunch of de uh, Democrats, probably. And they, they listen to me go on and on, you know, no one's going to say anything. No, wait a minute, tell me about this lunch. Wh who, what was this for? It was a going away lunch for Nick and Carl. Oh, okay, right at at uh, Mevio. It, yeah, they're at Mevio, but the lunch was at the ramp. In politics, according to Wikipedia, hardline refers to the doctrine, policy, and posturing of a government or political body as being absolutist and sometimes uh, authoritarian. The hardline right. position is usually extremist and uncompromising. Right, it's all bad connotations. But we're going to go and look at some of the way this works. So we so we have a, a going away meeting for. I'm uh, sitting there yakking to Nick and and, and uh, Andrew, and I bring up the fact that I'm going to talk about the Koch brothers and how they're getting uh, they're basically getting hit 
for one reason or another, most of it, again, is based on this Greenpeace document, which I'm going to read a clip from. And I go, and we just start chatting, and nobody, wants, of course, none of the other people want to say anything because they don't want to get into a political argument. No, I mean, God forbid we have a discussion about politics. So Will Streeter chimes in. Ah, Will, our, our black friend from Pennsylvania, from Philly. He says, uh, and he's going to start asking, he's starting to ask a question I can't ask because I, I don't know the answer to that. And he said, and he, and I just kind of cut him off because it wasn't anything to do with anything. He said, wait, 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 wait. And he, he, has, he insists on, on finishing what he has to say because it's actually more of an announcement. Right. He says, aren't the Koch brothers the guys behind? Oh, gosh. Aren't they the ones behind, behind the Tea the Party? Swift boat uh, <laughs> of John Kerry, swift boating John Kerry? Wow. And I said, what? I never heard. You think this would have come up in the conversation? Yeah. And I said, so I didn't think much about it at the time. I said, no, as far as I know, some guy in Texas, uh, Harold, what's his name? I have his name somewhere, uh, that did that. And uh, who's, you know, he's the Swift Boat guy. He's got nothing to do with these guys. I mean, they may have contributed to a company or something somewhere along, but there's no, they're not connected to the Swift Boat. So I thought I was thinking about this. I was, I was listening to this, all this reporting, and I realized that we're talking about association work here. And this is what there, a lot of people are doing in the propaganda community. And here's how it worked. Go look up Coke Brothers and Swift Boat, and you see a bunch of links. The headlines in progressive journals mostly are the Koch Brothers Swift Boating the Climate Movement. <laughs> this is great. Over Swift Boating the Climate Movement. That's great. I over love it. Over and over. In the headlines, the words Koch Brothers or Charles Koch and David Koch are either mentioned with the word, associative word in the same headline, Swift Boat. Huh. So, so, th- so that's how get- the association comes up that they were behind the Swift Boat. Exactly. Wow. And it was just so obvious to me that this is going on to an extreme and these guys are subject to it. And I mean, just the general public is going to be subject to this. If Will Streeter all of a sudden out of the blue, it tells me that there's, you know, I don't know what he's reading. Will, but Will, who was a very, headlines. Will, who was a very smart, very reasonable East Coast guy, I have to say. Yeah. So I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the, some of the stuff in the in the Terry Gross report that you were gonna you started. I'm gonna give you some of the associative words that are just thrown in by these two, and all they do is they stick in your brain, and now you you would in an attempt to get you to associate these words with these guys in a negative connotation sense. And here's just, I just wrote them down as they were coming out: private agenda, mm-hmm. war yeah. criminal, war criminal, front groups. <sighs> Under a rock. Nice. Fellow travelers. Ooh, that's a good one. Astroturf. Rednecks. <laughs> manufacture public opinion. Beautiful. Launder economics. Now, one of the things, and those are the kinds of things that those words were used in context. So you, so you know, just casually listening, you're only going to, you know, you think these are all bad words. I mean, astroturf's a bad. Manufacture public opinion comes from manufacturing, which is Chomsky's book, Manufacturing Consent, which is a negative connotation. It makes it sound as you know, as this corruption is some evil thing going on. I also got a big kick out of Mayer, who was, uh, and and this is all used just in like passing words, just yeah, yeah, just like. Uh, Oh, yeah, you know, he manufactures this is consent. programming. 
totally. Yeah, well, th- well, it's about time that people start realizing that your brains are being programmed. I mean, come on. This is why we do this show, to assassinate this crap. So the, I got the biggest kick out of uh, Mayor. She says she actually documents that the, the, the brothers have, have uh, funded 34 organizations. She had the number right down, 34. Not, no and more, no less. And then five or ten minutes later into the discussion, she says they funded a tremendous amount 34. of organizations. <laughs> tremendous. I got the exact quote, tremendous amount. But it, wait a minute, it was 34. Is that a tremendous amount? I don't know, maybe. Hmm. So I go back to the document that she used to pretty much dig up most of the dirt on these guys, which was this report, which I'll we'll have a link to the show note, notes, a Greenpeace report called Cock Industry, or Cock, Coke, Coke Industry. I, it's Koch is the way I'd pronounce it. Uh, Coke Industry secretly funding climate change machine. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. They, they've got the weather machine switch. Cool. <laughs> yeah, cool. So they had, it's a really good article. I mean, because it's, it's just completely lopsided, and they go on and on with all the stuff that they're, that's in, this, in the New Yorker article. But I got the biggest kick out of the lack of – besides these photos that are throughout the piece, which have nothing to do with anything, these photos have come from everywhere. They're, they're essentially clip art, but it's all, again, Getty the same images. kind of – Getty associative images. you see a you're reading about the Koch brothers here and then you're seeing a refinery smokestacks belching black smoke yeah, next th- to what this, you're reading this is another thing that people don't realize is when you read these articles and you just kind of you know the, the picture you may not even really pay attention to it um and i think it is mainly getty images that they use uh, but this is all very associative and it, it really it melds into your mind and sets the tone i mean this is it really does matter what you're seeing so they have the list of all the major stuff that the Koch boys have uh, invested in, including like the Cato Institute. By the way, and I, no matter what anyone thinks of my politics, I think the Cato Institute does some of the best work for, of all the think tanks in the country. I've read a lot of their books, and they have, they're just an outstanding operation. Apparently, according to the uh, report here, uh, the Cato Institute, if you listen to Mayer and others, the Koch brothers started the Cato Institute, but if you look at their actual funding, they only received a million dollars from uh, the Koch foundations from 2005 to 2008, which is, what, $300,000 a year? That's not enough to make this place operate, let me tell you. We can't. We, but, it would be nice to run this show off of that if we could make it. It would be. <laughs> I'd take it. I'd take it. Let's come get on. to listen first, then yeah, we can take it Come on, Koch brothers. Later. Someone must know the Koch brothers. Who am I kidding? We can't even get to Mel Gibson. Yeah, we couldn't get the well. Mel Gibson may be harder to get to <laughs> the Koch brothers. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I don't know. he might I don't be. Know. I don't know. Anyway, okay, let's let me. Here's the way these guys. This is the way this this thing reads. I'm going to just read a segment. They have all these foundations. Uh, uh, Coke. It says Coke foundations and climate denial. This is all about the climate aspect of things. Um, I'm just going to read from their report about. Yeah, their, their description of, for example, one of the uh, groups that the Koch brothers uh, uh, f- fund is the Heritage Foundation, which is a major conservative think tank that everybody knows about. But here's what they say. The Heritage Foundation is a conservative think tank that misinterprets science and policy regarding the climate. No. Oh. Well, hold, so hold, 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 hold on a second. Hold on. The science is in. Science. 
and uses their conclusions to argue against action on global warming. Now, wait a minute. You're telling me seriously that this group, its job is to misinterpret yeah. What are we going to do today, Bill? Let's misinterpret oh, some know, data. There's a couple of reports here we need to misinterpret. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? Why don't you just come out and say it? That's, That's what they say. They, know, they did come out and say it. No, I mean, the Heritage <laughs> Foundation is a conservative think tank that misinterprets science. Yeah, that's right. Bastards. <laughs> anyway, every one of these things is slanted to this. dude. This report is so sick. That it's like ridiculous that it uses the document that is pretty much the foundations for this New Yorker uh, article. And, I mean, she did some other work, too, but this thing here is just a, a, an incredible, it's, it's an out-and-out laugh. It's a laugh riot. There's actually a, a great article just while we're on uh, the science uh, in the Sunday, the Gitmo Nation East Sunday Times uh, called Super Freakonomics, Everything You Know About Global Warming is Wrong. And it's... Um, it's about Mervold. Remember Mervold? Nathan Mervold from... Uh... Oh, yeah. Nathan's a genius. Oh, he's a total genius. Um, and he has this little, uh, this little group, um, and they're actually laughing about... Uh, so you know, so they, what they're saying is, long story short, you have to read it. It's in the show notes, noagendashow.com, is, uh, yeah, there may be some global warming, but uh, it's actually because of water vapor. That's the, that's the worst... Uh, that greenhouse gas there is, i.e., yeah, i.e., clouds, and uh, but they're sitting there. So Merville, certified genius who studied with Stephen Hawkins, um, uh, you know, they're saying CO two is is actually really good. It's total bull crap. It's all for cap and trade. These are real scientists here, and they're actually members of IPCC, which kind of blows me away. Um, and they and and when the reporter mentions Al Gore, they all go, "Oh, brother." It's literally there in the article. They all like groan. Oh, brother. Um, so that's a, it's a good read that some real scientists are uh, not buying into this bull crap. So anyway, yeah, well, we're obviously in the minority on this argument. But here's what's interesting. Anyway, this hit piece goes on and on and on. But what, what became interesting was in, in the discussions, and I have a bunch of clips. Maybe we should play a couple of them before I have to uh, put a stop to this because I just I got too deep into it. It's all right. Let's, wanna... let's play some clips. That's good. What do we got? Well, we got a bunch of clips from Democracy Now. They really went for it. You know, this guy. Wait a minute. Is, so know, is this, these... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So first we had NPR. Now we have Democracy Now. So apparently there was a memo somewhere that said, let's go get the Koch brothers. Yeah. Okay. Now, just so I understand this. This is a media hit. Totally. Okay. Got it. Uh, so play the intro, and I'll go op- open up the file and see what else we got. Well, I'm going to talk about another piece now, Chuck. Uh, Chuck Lewis, Chuck. you're quoted in this major article in the latest issue of the New Yorker magazine <laughs> by Jane Mayer that profiles billionaire brothers Charles and David Koch, who have quietly given more than $100 million to right-wing causes. Jane Mayer writes, quote, In Washington, David Koch is best known as part of a family that's repeatedly funded stealth attacks on the federal government and the Obama administration in particular, with his brother Charles, who's 74, David Coke owns virtually all of Coke Industries, a conglomerate headquartered in Wichita, Kansas, whose annual revenues are estimated to be $100 billion. The Cokes operate oil refineries in Alaska, Texas, and Minnesota and control some 4,000 miles of pipeline. Coke Industries owns brawny paper towels, Dixie Cups, Georgia Pacific Lumber Stain, Master Carpet, and Lycra, among other products. Yeah, so we already heard all that. That's boring. Yeah, but did you notice something interesting? 
It's the exact same, exact same litany of information that was given by Terry Gross. Oh, totally. Totally. And I love the way it goes, $100 billion! Oh, yeah. Well, well, the difference between her and Terry Gross is that she will emphasize things that she thinks is, you know, negative information. $100 billion! We'll play clip two. Okay. (laughs) Here we go. Goes on to write, quote, indeed, the brothers have funded opposition campaigns against so many Obama administration policies from health care reform to the economic stimulus program that in political circles, their ideological network as no is known as the Coctopus. I never heard this. The what? I've never heard this anywhere. The Coke what? Coctopus. The Coctopus? <laughs> like octopus. They must be worried about these guys that they're pulling this all in all out hit on them. <laughs> there must I be, so. yeah. They must well, be they doing figured out good. that you know. They, I, I don't think they're worried so much about the Koch brothers as trying to get them to back off. I think they're wor- I think the the progressives are worried sick about the libertarian, or not libertarians, about the about the Tea Partiers. And in fact, again, Will Streeter chimed in about the Tea Partiers being a some sort of crazy corrupt group that is going to ruin the country, and they're all <laughs> racist pigs. Yeah, that's right. All right. Can we get off of this? Because uh, it's getting tedious. Okay. Well, let me give you one more that you got to get for sure. Play clip eight. Okay. I can already see the title is already turning me on. Theater building, which now bears its name, David Koch's name. He's given $20 million to the American Museum of Natural History, whose dinosaur wing is named for him. Uh, this spring after noticing... What a horrible guy. He, he donated to the Dinosaur Museum. Ah, what a bastard. It's all part of a scheme. In the decrepit state of fountains outside the Metropolitan Museum of Art, he pledged $10 million to... Oh, no, he's giving money to arts. This is bad. The government is the only one who can give money to art. Renovate them. Um, And he serves on the board of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, where after he donated more than $40 million, an endowed chair and research center were named for him. Now, later in the piece, it's very interesting because um, it talks about the fact that um, Coke Industries became a major producer of formaldehyde after it bought Georgia Pacific, the paper and wood products company for $21 billion. So Jane uh, Mayer uh, asked um, James Huff, an associate director at the National Institute for Environmental Health Sciences, a division of the NIH, um, about this. He said it was disgusting for Coke to be serving on the National Cancer Advisory Board. Huff said it's just not good for public health. Vested interests should not be on the board. He went on those boards are very important. They're very influential as to whether NCI goes into formaldehyde or not. Billions of dollars are involved in formaldehyde. Oh, what, a, bill- what, a, what a C word. <laughs> Isn't that unbelievable? So the guy is 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 the way I grew up uh, in America. You didn't wait for the government to help you out. You know, if you had a cause, you went to your community bank. Your community bank would give money to anybody. By the way, before they were bought up, they would always shell out money for the community. You went around, and if you were really wealthy, you, you build hospital wings and then stuff for cancer. And then, uh, oh, well, it's clearly to get his formaldehyde business going. Yes, Smithers. That's the only thing they could hang all that on, by the way. They emphasize, you know, this is a company that's 100, how many, they don't even sell a billion dollars worth of formaldehyde. I mean, it's ridiculous. Okay, I'm done with this. I just, uh, I just want to finish it by playing one more commercial from NPR, and then uh, oh. we're, we're done with this. Yeah, that's much funnier. Actually, I, I got, a, a, I got no, another. Be quiet now go. for a second. I don't want to play another clip. I'm I do. Gonna... I, no, I want to play a commercial from NPR. Let's see what oh, we get. Oh. So, Support for NPR comes from Chase. Okay, we already had that one. Okay, now. Now, no, no, th- your turn is over. 
No, one more thing. <laughs> My turn Your is turn over. is over. You've hogged the last 20 minutes about these Koch brothers who you clearly have a hard-on for. Yeah, wait, one more thing. <gasps> Apparently, these guys were against the SO2 cap-and-trade scheme that came up years ago that everyone uses. Well, the reason that we can do cap-and-trade and why it would work is because it worked with SO2 and acid rain. Remember that? Yeah, but that was cap, not trade. No, it was cap and trade. Yeah. There was a cap and trade scheme. Okay. I have a, a, a link in the show notes from a left-wing site called Green Left that claims now that the cap and trading scheme for sulfur dioxide was bullcrap. Nothing's been done about sulfur dioxide, and that might explain the fact that the oceans supposedly are getting more acidic is because no, this whole sulfur dioxide thing has been swept under the carpet. Scam. Scam. It's all right. Oh, boy. Uh, gee. Now I got to pull something uh, out really quickly that uh, just can put everybody uh, into a different mode. I've got a, co- a comedic thing. We can switch gears. Well, how about this? Um, there's been a flurry of sightings of uh, a UFO. Uh, in fact, one even crashed in Fresno. And there's uh there was a cra- no there seriously there was a crash site there's uh, there's pictures of the smoking wreckage uh military uh, forces uh apparently immediately on the scene for this triangular craft uh and lots of pictures and video in the show notes noagendashow.com uh and this happened uh, on the 22nd of August the crash was on the 24th of August but there's been tons of um oh you're sending me this this link there's been tons of uh, of sightings around Fresno there in the hills of USOs. It's, it's the it's the high speed rail people. <laughs> yeah, right. And I wanted to uh, let me see. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, I wanted to introduce a new meme. Utricity. This uh, fits in perfectly with our human resources theme, uh, as now um, chemistry postdoctorates. Uh, Chan Wen Tao and Rong Lan at the uh, Harriet Watt University School of Engineering have discovered a way to turn urine into electricity and clean water. And they've dubbed it Utricity. Uh, that's not going to catch on. <laughs> it would be good, though, just pee in your tank, right? Like, uh, yeah, I think that would be great to I'd, pee in your tank. I'd, I'd love it. I'd love Utricity. it. <laughs> Utricity. You watch. But that's all we're going to be good for. We're, we're only going to be good for power. Power generation. That's what it is. So there's a show on that uh, people have, every so often somebody uh, says, well, you guys haven't talked about this. It's just right up your alley. Uh, it's a new uh, drama that, that's on before or after Mad Men on AMC called Rubicon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's a great, I'm still trying to get over the hump with whether this thing's going to sustain. I don't think so because you have to definitely watch the episodes from the beginning. It's going to be a great DVD set. It's about a, an age. It's like a super agency, a spy agency that is that contracts to other spy agencies, and they're part of the government, but nobody knows what they do. And it's, it's just a, it's a yeah, spy. A lot, a lot of people have been emailing about this show. Well, it, I got a clip from it mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with the show itself, but it seemed to me that there's some spy people involved in the production of this show, some spooks along the way. And within the, right within the middle of the context of the show, 
one of the characters, one of the main evil characters, who's a super spy, gives advice on what kind of briefcase to buy. <laughs> okay, let's listen. And I'm watching this, I'm saying, oh, wait a minute, this is actually good advice. <laughs> what kind of briefcase to buy? So if you're going to buy a briefcase, if anybody out there wants to be like, you know, look kind of like a government, like a spook. you got to have the right equipment. You have to have the right briefcase, and it's not one of those square things that have the two locks on it. It's one of those old funky-looking things with the one bolt in the middle. But let let him explain briefcase uh, to people out there who want to know, if you're going to go out and buy a briefcase, get one of these. Or if you want to identify your neighborhood spook, they'll be walking around with one of these. Exactly. You really could use a good briefcase. Nothing eye-catching, of course, but... Something that lets people take you seriously. Kind of attached to the one I have. There's no handle for a security tether. What? Handcuffs. Avoid anything that announces its newness, its cost, or its distinctiveness. You need one that locks, preferably with a key. Combinations have a nasty habit of locking themselves at the worst moments. Clasps. No zippers. And none of those spring-loaded closures that announce to the whole world you're opening the store. I prefer a single clasp. Something that allows a file to go in without stopping or using two hands. Yeah, well, what's interesting is that is a disinformation because I happen to be in possession of a spook briefcase, and uh, that's not the way it looks. So that's bullcrap. I like the idea of having it. You can put it. He shows the demonstrates how you can put a file in it so quickly. I, I was impressed by that. Yeah, but it's bullcrap because that is not uh, an official spy briefcase. It is one of those boring brown ones. It does have a handle and it has two spring-loaded clasps, and it has a secret document carrier inside. Just saying. Okay. Don't ask no, me I how understand. I know. I know what you're talking about. Right. But I'm just saying, I think for people who, I don't know. I don't know if this is a bad idea. Maybe this is a lecture to people who used the other kind. I don't know. <laughs> just right in the middle of the show, there's this lecture about what kind of a briefcase to buy. And I'm thinking, well. Cruising around Gitmo Nation from uh, the news, a judge sentenced a former Faulkner University student to join the military and perform community service for a post he had made on Facebook that led to a campus lockdown. I'm not quite sure how this works, but this 23-year-old had done some weird post on Facebook and uh, everyone got freaked out, and so they closed down the campus. And then Montgomery County uh, Circuit Judge Tracy McCooey said, uh, well, I'm going to make you join the military. It'll be good for you, son. How does that work? How can you force someone to join the military? Uh, Gunpoint? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I, I just thought that was kind of strange. Um, I think the uh, they f- finally figured out a way to um, get rid of our guns. This is a good one, by the way. Because you know, if, if, if you can't get rid of the guns, what's the, the, the obvious thing to do? Uh, concentration camps? <laughs> no. Get rid of the bullets. Oh, yeah. The and, bullets. And the EPA... The Environmental Protection uh, Agency, our friend Lisa Jackson, uh, has uh, decided that uh, lead shot, lead bullets, uh, along with lead fishing sinkers, um, violate the 1976 Toxic Substance Control Act. 
So uh, you can have bullets as long as they're not made of lead. Yeah, and they cost like three times as much. Yeah, I guess depleted uranium would be good. Well, that would be the stuff. <laughs> but that's uh, that's it's like wow, okay. And uh, so, but she, they're actually moving ahead with this. They're really trying to, uh, the, you know, it falls under the Toxic Substance Control Act and can and will be banned by the Environmental Protection Agency. It's kind of weird. In uh, Cleveland, uh, the Green Police have actually uh, come into action. Just like in Gitmo Nation East, the beta testing grounds for all of Gitmo Nation, they're now putting RFID tags into the garbage bins. And they'll be tracking whether you uh, move these bins enough. So you have to move them at least once a week to put it out at the curb. If you don't, you're going to get a little knock at the door. They're going to come see what uh, if you're not recycling. Bad person. So, uh, Gear, uh, Sir Gear, sent us an email. I think you must have it there. Discussing the fact that that bogus thing that we saw yeah, on the, uh, uh, making oil from plastic, making oil from plastics, uh, it failed to note a couple of problems. One of them is that, and there's a good uh, article in the wiki page, by the way, called uh, "You Look." Uh, here's what you look at. So what we're talking about here. I realized as soon as you said this, that, ah, this is not a new technology. This is old. It's called depolymer, depolymerization. Yeah, it's been around for like four or five years, right? No, no, decades. Decades Ever since even. The, the invention of plastic, it was developed. <laughs> okay, so you, you, this reversible process, and this is the Japanese video from the United Nations University, yeah, who are supposed to like make us all hot and horny and remind us that everything in our world is made of oil. Yes, totally bogus. Totally bogus. Can't be uh, done. The problem has always been that it's a break. There's a break-even problem. It takes more energy to make this. You that's, know, to reverse. That's the- what I thought. Unless you use like microwave, but it would be really difficult because it produces combustible gas and all kinds of right. Weird and, stuff, but right? The, apparently, if you read the wiki page, an approach that exceeded break-even, then others you could actually do it. Was developed by Illinois back microbiologist Paul Baskis in the in the 1980s and refined over the next 15 years. He's got a million patents. This guy's never mentioned, of course, by the United Nations because it has to be some Asian, I would think, because they're smarter than we are. Uh, <laughs> anyway, there's a whole bunch of these things, but the pr- problem that Gear points out and has to be taken into account is that when you push the plastic back into a p- petroleum product, you, you get the whole range of petroleum products, which includes some uh, you know oil, and a lot of gas. Yeah, explosive stuff. <laughs> Which blows. <laughs> Which could, like, blow you, know? you up. <laughs> yeah. No, but it doesn't matter because it's a meme now. It's out there. And I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, it was, uh, yeah. you know, we were talking about women uh, and how advertising is completely messing with their heads. Because it's not just used for political motives like you were talking with the Koch brothers. But advertising is used to, to really, really mess with your head. And, and, and poor women... Beautiful creatures of this earth. They, they really get screwed. Um, there's this... Uh, the ad has been pulled uh, at this point. Really get screwed. Yeah, they do get screwed because... I'm just saying. You're just... It's like a pun. Go on. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, Summer's Eve, uh, which, of course, uh, is fine maker of... Douchebag! ...products, has a, an ad, and he's a beautiful, uh, smart-looking blonde woman. She's uh, stunningly beautiful. Uh, looks a bit like Mickey, actually, and uh, is wearing a business uh, jacket. And it says, confidence at work, says the ad. How to ask for a raise 
Well, nah. you've got you've got to feel fresh down there. They've literally said if you want to get a raise, if you're going into your boss to ask for a raise, you have to clean your vagina. That is that is what this ad is saying. It was in Women's Day magazine. Yeah. And yeah, we got a couple of links to that yeah, thing. Cleanliness of privates plays a pivotal role in whether or not women will get a raise at work. How do you feel? You know, you should you should burn Women's Day. They've pulled the ad, of course. Oh, we're, we're sorry. We did. We did. Uh, you took it the wrong way. It's like, <laughs> oh my God! You why, know, don't they it, just, why don't they just have it like that old? Remember those old? Uh, you probably this may be. Well, hold, before you go there, before you go there, have you ever seen the vagina monologues? You know, I couldn't watch them. Well, um, Mickey has done a scene from the vagina. I have never seen it, but she, she, for some whatever workshop, whatever, she did a scene from the vagina monologues, and it was about uh, douching. And the whole thing is, you know, it's crazy. There's, the names of these products are like Summer Rain and, uh, you know, and then Fluffy Lavender. It's like, you know, that's not the way vagina is supposed to smell. And, and who made this up? And why does it have to smell like that? And where did that come from? And it's a very good piece, actually, from the vagina monologues. You just like saying the word vagina. I'm now convinced of it. Well, you know. In fact, in the in that monologue, it goes like, "When I order some fish, I want it to smell like fish." That's literally part of the monologue. Uh, but it is it's 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 kind of we're out of whack. We're totally out of whack, and I feel bad for women. Yeah, you know, we don't have that. Do you have any? Well, there is a ball washing product actually. Um, there is. Yeah, yeah. There's a serious one. Are I you sure that's not on the golf course? <laughs> no, it, there's a real ball washing product. I can find it for you somewhere. Uh, if it's like cleanmyballs.com or something. But but you know, for guys it's like funny, right? But for women, uh, let me see. Yeah, we <laughs> take a shower, dude. <laughs> Ball cleaning products. Let me see. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bar of soap. Yeah, but it's it's just it's sad that women have to go through that, and, and no one questions it. Well, men have to go through it too, apparently, with the ball washing. Probably we pay less attention to it. Yeah, it's ball but smell. I'm, but I'm used surprised to they don't go more blatant with these commercials. I mean, there was this years ago. Whatever happened to bad breath? They had uh, used to have these commercials. Don't broadcast bad breath. Mm. And they had a you know kind of a cartoon character with this these radio waves coming out of their mouth. People <laughs> dropping. <laughs> I wish I, I I wish I remembered what the hell. Then it was. They had a whole website. This, uh, oh man, I can't remember what it's called. I'll find it somewhere and then I'll put it in the show notes because I know you're just pining to get some. Okay, enough of that. Uh, the London Telegraph cranks up the, uh, the Ministry of Truth, Terror, Frighten You, or Ass Machine. Michael Clark, former government advisor and the head of the Royal United Services Institute says he believes the security services could struggle to cope with the new generation of extremists seeking to carry out lone wolf attacks. A report published today, Professor Clark says over the next five to ten years, 800 prisoners in jail for non-terrorism offenses. And by the way, uh, we have a picture here of a dude with a, with a towel on his head and a beard. Uh, will be released to the streets having been radicalized in jail. They will be joined by convicted terrorists serving short sentences who, once freed, are likely to be just as committed to the cause of jihad as before. Therefore, terror alert in the United Kingdom is on severe. We've got a new wave coming, people. 
new wave of terror attacks. And they'll be uh, targeting aircraft, trains, hotels, and sporting events. Be afraid. Be very afraid. People of Gitmo Nation East, you need to be protected. Homegrown terror is in the streets. Be afraid. Listen to your government. It's all good. And um, this was kind of funny from uh, Gitmo Nation Great White North. Uh, total propaganda piece in the Ottawa Sun. Um, there were men being charged with a homegrown, there it is again, a, a terrorist cell. Well, we, we spotted this meme a year yeah, ago. Yeah, but this one brings in another meme, and it gets quite funny. So they're plotting to bomb Parliament Hill and the Montreal subway, the allegedly planned, the systematic attacks using Ottawa public library computers communicating over the interwebs. They were sending coded messages, according to Canada's communication security establishment. Uh, But they were very easy to crack these coded messages. And they were using all kinds of keywords that our systems picked up on, like Al-Qaeda and IED. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Can you imagine these guys? Actually, you're in a public library and you're sending messages back to home base because we need to be financed. Yes. Hello. Hello, Mohammed. We are planning an IED attack. It's like, yeah. So uh, it literally says here, police said that, so of course, no, no explosive devices found, but they did find 50 electronic circuit boards that could be used to remotely detonate so-called improvised explosive devices. Police said the suspects had schematics, video drawings, instructions, books, and electrical components to build IEDs. So this is, um, uh, this is a group of uh, Islamist homegrown terrorists, clearly. But what's interesting is... One of these guys, Kuram Sher, yeah, shows up on Canadian Idol. Canadian Idol. <laughs> and the guy, and he sings Did like, you see that? Did you see the clip? Yeah, he's singing like he's uh, terrible. Av- he's singing like Avril Lavigne, but I think they changed his voice in the clip for some for some reason. It, it comes through really weird. Not much for Canadian ego, but back on Canadian Idol, it's Kuram. By the way, I love it. He's got the Taliban hat on. He's he's got the beard. He's he's wearing the dress. He's is like completely. It's like I'm amazed that no one was ducking under the table. Oh my God! He's got an IED strapped to his chest. He's gonna blow America, Canada, Canadian out of the bits. Fine. Uh, I'm How are you? Good, good. Hello, so I'm you, fine. Um, hail from Pakistan, eh? That's uh, right. Yes, I'm a terrorist. How long have you been here? Uh, I've been here for a couple of years. I came in two K five. So it's been about. I came in years. to blow everything up. Okay, so what song are you gonna sing for us? <laughs> I can sing like. Uh, I love the added bits here. Okay, so what are you going to sing first? Do whatever you want. Let's take a whatever you guys Complicated. Complicated, yes. Okay, so two words to one. Don't use Anyway, so you can, you can watch that video. It's quite funny. He, he looks like a Taliban. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that the judge didn't go, you look like a Taliban. I don't know. I don't get it. It's just gotten out of control. It's I mean, probably there's probably it's, it's probably not uh, a politically correct in Canada. It's a to joke. suggest that somebody who looks just like a Taliban <laughs> is a Taliban. He's a Taliban. <laughs> but it's a joke. The whole thing is a joke. So this guy. Well, they I mean, got a lot of publicity for guess what show? Yeah, for for Canadian Idol, of course. Everyone's like, wow, we, we you know we should be screening all these candidates. And Canadian how do we know I- that guy was actually the same guy? I mean, the whole thing could have been shilled. Canadian together. Idol should be taken off the air because it is clearly a breeding ground for terrorists. And while <laughs> you're at it, take American Idol off the air as well. Take them all off the air. It's a breeding ground for terrorists, I tell you. I love this. It's like, how stupid 
do, do are we are because we are retards all of us when we actually it's like oh well gee i'm glad they got that uh Whoo, boy, they really uh, got, Ooh, got we that just ducked, We ducked a bullet. Whew, they're going to blow up everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we dodged a stainless steel bullet. So this guy comes into the country. Uh, he uses public library computers, which you can't even get no agenda on the public library computers. Uh, of course, you know, it's like the stupidest. You know, go to an Internet cafe, but don't go to the public library and use their computer. And, uh, and then he's like, you know what? While I'm building this IED... I'm going to go on uh, Canadian Idol. This is a great idea. Let's see if I can win us some money. Then we don't have to email for some financing from uh, Pakistan. It's like, how stupid are we that we buy into this? It's idiots. Uh, we're also this part of a campaign to, uh, I mean, everything is anti-Pakistan nowadays. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually getting quite amusing. And then uh, the uh, the thing that uh, the story I, I'm sure you saw this about uh, the BP subpoena power for the government investigation. Did you see uh, any of this, John? No, I missed that one completely. So apparently, the House of Representatives passed a bill, uh, like 290 to one, or what? How, how many uh, congressmen are there? I should know this. Well, what does it take to pass a bill? Well, but anyway, it was like 290. This is a very interesting clip. 290 to 1. And then it goes to the Senate. Hey, darling. And then the Senate. There's 50 in there. Right. So um, the Senate. And, and, this, and this is about giving, the, uh, giving Congress subpoena power to inv- investigate uh, BP. And Transocean, everything else. And they invoke. The, finally, you're seeing the rule invoked, which is the big joke of the American government. So the way it works, if, if you want to bring a bill to the floor, both sides have to agree. And, and, all the, and so if the Democrats bring a bill to the floor and the Republicans want to block it, this is what everyone's talking about. They're using you know, procedural measures, procedures to block legislation. All they have to do is say, uh, we object. And then it doesn't come to the floor. Both, both sides have to agree. So the Democrats can do this as well, obviously. And they've done it. Of course they've done it, and it's kind of a ridiculous thing. But and one guy representing the entire Republican Party can say we object, and the bill does not come to the floor. So this bill, which uh, passed the House, is uh, brought to the floor of the Senate, and uh, well, have a listen. Hold on, here we go. Madam President, I ask unanimous consent that the Judiciary Committee be discharged of S-3462, a bill to provide subpoena power to the National Commission on the British Petroleum Oil Spill in the Gulf of Mexico, and that the Senate then proceed to its consideration. Is there objection? On behalf of other members of the Republican Conference, I object. So that's it. That's all he has to say. Denied. It doesn't come to the floor. So she tries another one. Objection is heard. Madam President. Senator from New Hampshire. Madam President, I ask unanimous consent the Senate proceed to the immediate consideration of calendar number 442 H.R. 5481, a bill to give subpoena power to the National Commission on the BP Deepwater Horizon oil spill and offshore drilling, that the bill be read a third time and passed, and the motion to consider be laid upon the table with no intervening action or debate. This is legislation that passed the House 420 to one. Is there objection? Yep. On behalf of other members of the Republican conference, I object. And now she the goes objection crazy. Is heard. Now she goes crazy. Uh, Madam President, the I... Senator from New Hampshire. I, I don't understand what is so objectionable. In the House, 169 Republicans 
voted in favor of giving the Presidential Commission subpoena power. They understand how important that is because this commission begins their investigation in the next few weeks. This should not be a partisan issue. I don't understand why my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are... So this is what's interesting. Uh, immediately it's turned in... It's, it's like a script. I swear to God it's like a script. It's like someone said, okay, we've got to make everyone pissed off again, so why don't we do this? Why don't we have this bill introduced, have uh, the Republicans deny it, and then come out and say uh, the Republicans are with the big oil companies? It's like a script, and literally it, it follows that script. And, and by the way, I don't understand why, no, why would anyone object besides the fact that uh, uh, everyone who uh, objects to oil companies gets killed, like Ted Stevens, which might be the message. Maybe these Republicans are going, holy crap, I don't want to be a part <laughs> of it. I'm fucking we'll killed. I can't fly anymore if I vote for this thing. Turning this into a partisan issue, I find it unbelievable. That after everything the people of the Gulf region have endured and that this entire country has witnessed for over two months now, that anyone is still standing with the oil company that caused this disaster instead of the victims who are suffering from it. I hope the American people understand that this is a... So now she brings in some other dude and it, it, it just goes on and on. And it's just like, what are they hiding and I, I don't understand it myself. Why why would they kill? Why would they kill the subpoena power? Why do they do that? Besides, Maybe the, there's something else in there. We'd have to go do some research to find out in now. The bill you By mean. the way, it's 435. We should always know that number. Yes, we should. Of the House of Representatives and 100, obviously, in the, uh, from 50 states in the uh, Senate. In but, the Senate, yeah. 435. We should just have it. I don't know why we don't know that. It's dumb. Uh, yes, it is. So, um, anyway, the point is, is that. Yeah, yeah, I know that this is the big bitch and moan that this Obama and oh, they're blocking everything. You know, they can change the rules. Yeah, in a heartbeat, all we have to do is just say, let's change the rules. Yeah, and because they, you know, you know, I don't even think you need sixty to change the rules. I think, you, which is another rule they can change, but they <laughs> yeah. won't do it. Yeah, because they're both sides are you know, the whole operation's corrupt. But it would be nice if they explained it. Yeah, no, they don't. Is it just? I don't know. But I mean, it's possible that they think that they, somebody's just going to go nuts with subpoenas. Yeah, but still, you know, it, it seems like bad PR to to do it to do this. Yeah, I know it does seem like bad PR, and I'm not absolutely sure what the deal is. I mean, it could be your basic your theory that you know they're afraid of getting killed. But uh, <laughs> well, they yeah. they seem to people who object to the oil companies do have a habit of dying. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a possibility. Can I just say, Steve Jobs, I hate your Safari 5.1. It sucks monkey balls. Are they washed monkey balls? <laughs> I still can't find that commercial. I really wish I could. It was funny. It was like some doctor, and it was a real product. But uh, but now my web browser. Yeah, it was on, crazy. and they ran on April 1st, right? No, 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 it was a real product. But my I had other stories. I had uh, stories about the eggsafety.org. Maybe I can open it up. Uh, but Safari is like just totally freaking out. Yeah, eggsafety.org. Go there, John, uh, because this, of course, is uh, brought to you by the United Egg Producers, and uh, it's really nice. And uh, United Egg Producers are uh, basically a bunch of guys who are pretending to be small farmers, but when you go look at their farms, there's no pictures of the of the of the hens. They just, this is a story of a family 
you know, like, hi, we've been raising chickens for a hundred yeah, years. Yeah, because the beaks are cut off. The chickens are jammed That's and right. shitting on each other. It's terrible. That's right. The beaks are cut off. You're right. That's absolutely right. And they have, they've got videos about how good they are. And uh, it just becomes so incredibly clear that this is all about m- pushing the little farmers out and, uh, and moving the big chicken producers in. Let me see. There was some video here. Farm to Table. United Egg Producers are certified. And it's like they got, look at these two jabronis. Hello, I'm Bob Krause, and this is my wife, Sally. Fifth generation like egg farmers. To our family egg farm in the upper Midwest. Our family's been farming in this community since 1875. You got to see this video because, so they set it all up. You know, it's like, uh, what is it, to Ezra and uh, what's the pitchfork uh, duo? Yeah, the American uh, Gothic. Yes, exactly. And uh, they set it up, and it's, it's just like, oh, we're a little family here. And then you see these chickens all in, you know, like in cages, and, and oh, but they've got ventilation. You see, like, a big fan blowing. And they've got, they've got uh, sufficient sunlight. You see a window. It's really, really sad. And, you know, and, and it's like, oh, UEPC certified. You need to have the good eggs. You can't have eggs that have poop on them. That would be bad. EggSafety.org. Everybody, go ahead and learn about egg safety. Yeah, we're going to end up with a situation, and you out there who listen to this show in rural communities, you're not going to be hearing this on anybody else's show, by the way. You out there in rural communities, there's going to be some USDA or some oh, other creep so in the sad. government you send me driving pic- down the street saying, eggs for sale? Yeah. Or pulls in and says, you don't have a license to sell that dozen eggs from your own chickens? I, this picture you sent me of the poor chicken with his beak cut off, which they do to uh, combat cannibalism, it says here. At eggs. They even say it. They have a whole thing in their FAQs. Well, you know, these chickens, they, uh, they're really nuts, man. They go and they're trying to eat each other. So we got to chop nuts. their beaks off. It's sad. It's just sad. Ah. It's really... Yeah, no, these egg... I mean, their whole thing is to break down... You know the the little guy. You're exactly right. Screw him. And they you know, talk here's, about- a, here's a, another photo. We got to send a link to. Uh, I, I, I don't want to show those. No, no. This is a photo of one of the farms. And this one has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven layers, at least that, that I can see, uh, of chickens uh, on essentially on top of each other, laying eggs on a conveyor belt and pooping on each other. Yeah. And here. you know this is just disgusting. What is beak trimming? UEP certified guidelines recommend beak trimming for cage and cage-free production only when necessary to prevent feather pecking and cannibalism and only when carried out by properly trained and monitored personnel. Some of the advantages of beak trimming include reduced pecking, reduced feather pulling, reduced cannibalism, better feather condition, less fearfulness, less nervousness, less chronic stress, and decreased mortality. It gives you better eggs. It's unbelievable. <laughs> cannibalism why do you think they're eating each other because they're freaking out that and the sick of the food they're getting fed <sighs> you ever see them? American eggs are the worst in the world the yolks are so tasteless and light colored they've actually gotten to the point where they've, they've tried to educate the public I have had people say oh there's something wrong with that eggs the, the yolks are too dark that's actually what you want you Don't want you? a dark egg. Yeah, you, totally. If you get a really light yellow egg, that's because they're fed all kinds of crap. Right, it's just not even producing. That, that thing couldn't, you couldn't even hatch that egg if you wanted to. Ugh. 
Anyway, it's all part of the Codex Alimentarius. Enjoy. I made a Bernays sauce yesterday with a couple of, <laughs> of course hand, you, did. you know, real chicken eggs. <laughs> of course you did. The the difference, I did. Yeah. The difference between a Bernays sauce made with French butter and real chicken eggs and the ones that you would make from some Safeway eggs, it's like night and day. Night and day, absolutely. John, I, I, we're, our time is up. I do want to get out of here, and I want to do it with uh, some... Uh, <laughs> And now, back to real news. Because amidst all of this, as we open your eyes to what is actually happening in the world, and all you have to do is just be an observer and don't worry too much about it, you know, you can uh, help yourself and your family and your friends and people who are around you, and you can live a, a, a very happy and fulfilling life. But it makes me even happier when I know that uh, Playboy model Carissa Shannon has confirmed she has a sex tape with her and Heidi Montauk, and uh, Vivid Entertainment is now in... Uh, um, in negotiations to release that. That is going to be one hot video. I'm very happy about that. just makes me smile. I'm glad. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thank you, entertainment industry, for doing something good. More good work. It's just, just two girls going at it. There's nothing like it. With, with a camera on them, and of course they're not hamming it up at all. No, 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 no. And they've douched with Summer's Eve. It's, it makes me happy. It makes me happy. Remind everybody, Dvorak.org slash N-A. Take part in our show. Become a producer. Um, uh, support the show. We're the, you're our only hope on <laughs> you are, to continue. Now, did you have a comedic clip you wanted to end with? No, the, the comedic clip was the briefcase. I oh, that, that was, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I do want to remind everyone who's listening uh, live at noagendastream.com, which, by the way, is on 24 hours a day. It has the Dvorak interludes. Time for a new one, John. It has yep. a Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged Daily Source Code, which is an average of three hours each program for the FUBAR Friday. Uh, we play some of the, the, the greatest music and uh, good clips of other stuff, and uh, people seem to be enjoying that. That's all part of the support, uh, or the support that you give us uh, helps towards sustaining the stream. Um, so if you're listening live, I will be on Twit today. Uh, which is uh, in no small part thanks to you, John, as well as uh, the producers who incessantly hounded, hounded Leo uh, to let me be on. And it's going to be an interesting show. We've got uh, Kevin Rose will be on, I'll be on, and uh, Scoble will be on. Oops. <laughs> All we needed was Jason Calacanis, and it would have been complete. So, uh, and Rose, I, Rose has a tendency to bail out. He might, he might, but I, I think it's going to be really. I've, I've got, uh, I've got some. Interesting... Well, you'll be doing all the talking because Kevin won't say anything about anything anymore. Well, I've learned that you know, especially with the Twit audience, you want to hold back a little bit. You don't want to be hogging the mic, so I'll just hang back. But I've got some interesting takes on, uh, for instance, the uh, the uh, Paul Allen lawsuit. So I will uh, look out for that. I have a contrarian view. Oh, so you're not going to bring it on our show? And you're gonna do, use it on Twit? You want me to? You want me to? No, give no. It to I, you? Go ahead. Do it. You know, we'll talk about it later. You're, it's probably inaccurate anyway. <laughs> it's a really just good giving one. away the store to the other shows. It's no problem. <laughs> do you want me to do it here? I'll be happy to no, do it. No, no. I'm just. This is the kind of crap I have to take from you when I do this show. But, but I'm asking you honestly. Would you like me to say to tell you? No, I want to hear. I want to be surprised. I want to hear with the reaction of these guys. Uh, I'm sure it'd be interesting because the reason why I wanted to do it. See, if I, I think Leo listens to the show, so I don't want him to be uh, to be prepared. And what I was thinking was, you know, I'd lay out. Well, he's, this... he's now dogging the the article. He shouldn't have said anything. 
No, no, he won't. No, this is impossible. You can't dog. That's the, that's the top news of the week. You can't dog that. Top mm. news of the week. Um, but my whole plan getting a was, lot of flack for it, I can tell you that. So my whole plan is I set up this contrarian view, and then I say, you know, these are the kinds of things you'll hear on No Agenda. And I think we'll huh. pick up two people. <laughs> I, think, I think anybody who listens to Twit that's not listening to No Agenda. I mean, for one thing, we're only going to pick up people with a certain... We're not going to get all the, you know, these uh, kind of progressives. Uh, very few of them listen to no, to our show. And... Uh, well, it's, it's worth it. It has a huge audience. And, uh, and I get lots of email from people saying, you know, I heard John talking about No Agenda on Twit, and now I'm a fan. So it yeah, does no, work. I, I think we've got all we can get. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Right. I'll, I'll keep a close eye on the numbers. Knock them dead. <laughs> As I said, well, I'll I'll do my best. Uh, righto. So, coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California, I am a member of the Citizen Corps. My name is Adam Curry. He was a former Soviet spy, too, but he seems to have forgotten. And I'm coming from northern Silicon Valley. and want to remind everybody to go to noagendashow.com, Dvorak.org, slash NA, and channeldvorak.com, slash NA, and give us some support this week. I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again on Thursday right here on No Agenda. No Agenda.